Hey, hey, what's up? This is Ace back again. East Society Podcast. We talk TV, movies, comics, collecting, sports, and everything entertainment. And this is another of our end-of-year specials. This is it, the big one. Top 10 movies of the year that we picked. We go back and forth. But before I go any further, it's the Nez. Yo, yo, what is up, everybody? We are finally here. This is the final best Big of one. episode of 2023. Um, everyone, if you listen to all the other ones right on, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, man. Um, I'm sure this is going to be a long one, so we might as well just yeah. uh, kick it off. But Yeah, what is... I guess I, what I wanted to say up front, I think we always say this, is obviously this isn't meant to be like, the Oscars or the Golden Globes, like truly best piece of the year. This is like what we like. This is our own personal top 10. So there's no like, you know, nothing like that. You know, even if we do have some, it's more of like, this is our personal top 10. So, you know. (laughs) Yep. Everyone, this is, yeah, this is just ours, man. This is what we thought. Yeah. Um, once we get to the end, I'll I'll run through some honorable mentions because I yep. I had a bunch. I got a few. I got so, uh, five. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I'm just you probably got more. <laughs> I got a I got a you few. You fill your list up quick. I don't even have one yet for uh, this current year. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, well, we're, we're two weeks in, so not surprised. But yeah, I don't have anything for uh, 2024. <laughs> I got one so far and it just came out on Netflix so okay <laughs> and it's basically just a remake of a remake of yeah but anyway um yeah man kick us off with your number 10 all right uh if you listen to the pod before you know I love when a film can surprise me and that's what my number 10 did it was something I didn't know anything about until it was out and then checking it out. I obviously checked it out because uh, of the basketball angle, but then it really surprised me. I, we did talk about this on the pod when it first came out and this is uh, the Disney plus movie Chang can dunk a young Asian American teen and basketball fanatic who wants to dunk and get the girl of his dreams ends up learning much more about himself, his best friend and his mother. Chang is an unpopular high schooler who loves basketball, but is always underestimated though. His peers treat him as though he's insignificant. He becomes obsessed with learning how to slam dunk In doing so he hopes to become the best, uh, that he can be so anyways um like i said didn't know what to expect when i saw this and even when i started watching it it was the kind of film like you thought it was one thing but it ends up being like so much more there's like elements to it that like make it like a a family-friendly disney film but then there are levels to it where it goes even like deeper and more meaningful and like on a family level and cultural. So I was really able to appreciate it for that. Um, For the most part, it's starring, it stars a bunch of people that I'm pretty sure this is their like first role, uh, a bunch of young people. Bloom Yi plays Chang, Ben Wang plays Bo, 
Zoe Renee plays Christy, and uh, Marta Ma plays Chen, and it was directed by Jinji Shao, also who wrote it. So, yeah. Uh, when did this come out? Uh, back in, oh yeah, it was pretty early in the year. Uh, early March, March 10th is when it came out. And uh, yeah, it probably was one of the first entries on my list. And yeah, it pretty much made it through the year. There's, like I said, here it is at 10. So there was a chance it, it could have fallen off, but uh, I revisited it when, uh, when uh, Jade came to visit uh, uh, late summer. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed it uh, just as much a second time. And like I said, it's, it's like kind of everything in one. It's a basketball film. It's a little bit of drama, a little bit of family, a little bit of sports, a little bit of everything. And um, it really surprised me. And that's what I loved about it most. Did you ever get a chance to check this one out? I did not remember it until you just brought it up. <laughs> yeah. So. No, it's like solid. Like, like I said, it's not even like, yeah, being into basketball. It's like overall like like really well done like uh film so yeah i feel like it obviously it went under the radar too just being a disney plus movie i feel like it didn't even get a lot of play i didn't really see many people talking about it or commercials about it or anything like that so yeah but super solid so yeah my number 10 chang can dunk all right I'll have to check it out. I just completely yeah, forgot about it. Out. I remember your first time reviewing it, but yep. <laughs> all right, this is one I should have seen in a the theater, but I didn't see it until the other night. I finally got to sit down and watch it. I picked it up once it came out on uh, on Blu-ray. I picked up the steel book, and I'm kicking myself for not seeing this in the theater. I don't even remember why I didn't see it in the theater. There was no excuse because it it came out in July. So and I'd seen a ton of movies in a the theater. I just never got to it. The Zisu did, and this I think you saw it twice in the theater. I think I can't remember, or was that Indiana Jones? I don't remember. Anyway, um, this is Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. Ethan Hunt and the IMF team must track down a terrifying new weapon that threatens all of humanity if it fa- if it falls into the hand into the wrong hands with control of the future and the fate of the world at stake a deadly race around the globe begins confronted by mysterious all-powerful enemy Ethan is forced to consider that nothing can matter more than the mission not even the lives of those he cares about this stars uh, Tom Cruise, of course, uh, Captain Carter, Haley Atwell. I didn't even know she was in this. It was awesome to see her pop up on the screen. Uh, Ving Rhames, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Vanessa Kirby. Uh, she is in one of my honorable mention movies. I'm going to just tell you now. Napoleon. I thought I really liked her in that. She was badass in this. A Palm Clem, whatever her last name. She played Paris. She was badass. That's she was, oh, that is her? Okay. She yeah. was hella good in this. Uh, the guy who played Kittredge, Henry Caesar. I can't pronounce his name either. Uh, the guy that played Briggs, Sheer Wing, Wingham. I think that's his name. And uh, what's his name? Uh, Carrie Elwes. He was, what, Robin Hood, Prince, Prince and Titans, or 
the Men in Tights, whatever that movie was called, and uh, what's his name? The Warlock. Princess Bride. From, from Maverick. He popped up in this uh, Charles Barnell. Um, but, man, this movie was awesome. I was on the edge of I was kind of tired when I started it. I was like, okay, well, I'll watch it, and then if I get too tired, I'll stop it and then go to bed. And I was feeling kind of like not feeling good. But because uh, I remember I was I was watching it and then as the movie went along and just I am no shape uh, like uh, Ethan Hunt, <laughs> like Tom Cruise. He got my adrenaline pumping with all the running he did like he does in, in all the previous films. But man, this movie was awesome. And that big stunt that they did with the, the motorbike when he jumped off the cliff, it's all in the trailers. You can go on YouTube and watch the scene if you haven't seen the movie. All the action was awesome. The the car chases, that whole scene on the train, um, the, the when they were running around through the airport, and just everything about this movie, I was like, oh my god! I didn't, I kind of figured it was gonna be on my list. I just didn't know exactly where it would be on my list. Some people are surprised that it's at the very bottom, but now nah, this movie was awesome, and I had to watch that whole uh, how they did the the jump scene. Because when when I'm watching it, if you've seen the film, or you can go to YouTube and just watch that one scene. Also, watch how they made that, how they did that scene. When he was on his dirt bike and he got to the top, he was trying to to catch the train. Um, Simon Pegg's character was telling him, "Yeah, man, just uh, he was trying to get him so he can get to the train. He ended up taking him all the way up to the top of this big rock mountain. So he was like, "How am I going to get down there?" And he goes, "I don't know. Figure it out." And he starts looking around, and he we we see the audience sees that we already know it was coming anyway. He's got this there's this big rock, looks like a ramp way way behind him. So he rides up to it, and I was thinking when I first saw the stunt in the trailer, I was like, wow, man, did I mean how did they scout that space out? It's all CGI. They actually built a ramp for him to ride on. I, I get obviously to for more for safety and everything. And they just CGI'd, made it look like a, a little rocky thing. Because, man, because he was hauling ass. From what I understood, I think he jumped it like seven or eight times. Um, and he said they used the first take. There was a helicopter. There was drones. Everything that was following him. And just, I don't know how much dirt bikes cost, man. But I'm sure they're in the thousands. Especially these ones. Like, they look at all souped up, man. They probably, they destroyed seven of them. So, but, oh, my God, it was just like, oh, I was juiced. I was waiting for that scene. Usually in these films, the big uh, stunt that he does is in the beginning. This one was at the end. And I was like, oh, man, it was it was so good. I, I loved it. I'm definitely going to see part two once it hits the theater because the way this was, I knew it was going to end. But the way it ended, I went, ah, and then Ooh. it was then that was it. I was like, fuck. Um, I'm going to rewatch this again because, man, it was awesome. It was really, really awesome to see uh, Isai Morales as, as the bad guy, as Gabriel. Uh, I've loved him in just about everything that I'd seen him in. Uh, the biggest movie that I loved him in was uh, he played uh, Richie Valens' brother, Bob, in La Bamba. And, man, he did a good job, man. I'm, I'm, I was, I'm happy that he was in this big, giant movie. So he played a really good bad guy. It was it was directed by Christopher McQuarrie, and of course Tom Cruise doing what he does. And I think this is the movie when he had that big blowout when he was yelling at. It, it was. It was. Uh, yeah. like that the production people or somebody I don't know somebody 
I think it was somebody wasn't wearing a mask and they just went off. They I think they were filming this years ago when right in the middle of the pandemic. So Yeah, it was it was right when they got back. Yeah, so he was he was going off if you guys have seen the video. There's not no there's not it's mainly audio of him going off, but um we've talked about that before. Yeah, you're messing with his money cuz it, it is he is one of the executive producers. This is pretty much his thing. I believe he signed some big deal with Warner Brothers now, so I guess he's once this new Mission Impossible movie comes, I think this is it. So Yeah, it is. I think he's going to be doing bigger stuff for Warner Brothers, which is fine. So He was but, supposed to sign off the series to Renner all the way back at Ghost Protocol. That's why Renner was in that film. He, Renner was supposed to take over, but Tom couldn't let go. <laughs> I, I don't know what shape Jeremy Renner is now. He's done. He's, he's up and moving, and he's doing his thing. He's coming uh, back. He, He's done a lot of good stuff for uh, the Reno Sparks area and Tahoe yeah, and all that. Awesome. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he would be, if physically he can do what Tom Cruise Not does. Not now, probably. Yeah. He needs more time. He's going to come back as Hawkeye, which is awesome. That was one of the first things I saw in his interview. They asked him uh, if he was going to, you know, still do Hawkeye. And he said, oh, yeah. So he has to come back. Cool. He's Hawkeye. So. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is amazing. Um, if they throw it again in the theater, put it with a double feature with Part 2, hell yeah, I'm going to see it. Because I, I need to see this on a big screen. Because, <laughs> man, I'm, I was kicking myself as right. it was going along. Going, Fuck, why didn't I see this in the theater? And mm-hmm. Oh, man, this movie was awesome. Uh, I picked up the uh, Steelbook from Best Buy. So if yeah, it's still, still it. in your area... Definitely pick this movie up because this movie was awesome. I've loved all the Mission Impossible movies. Uh, Mission Impossible 1 is still my favorite out of all of them. That one was directed by Brian De Palma. Um, but I'm surprised this series, it started, what, 90s? Nine, like 97, I think, was uh, was the that first, first Mission Impossible. Um, yeah, and then... Everything I think else. my favorite of the bunch was Ghost Protocol. Like, it felt like like it really jump-started the series again and what led it to this kind of second half. 96 is when the first one came out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, my least favorite is part two. Um, yeah. to the, the unnecessary uh, slow motion was killing me throughout the, the whole thing, but that's, that's John Luke. <laughs> Uh, part three was awesome. That one was directed by J.J. Abrams. That one was elegant. Three surprised me. I wasn't expecting much after two. Not I didn't hate as two as much as everybody else. In fact, uh, saw it a few times with Freeze in the theater and everything. But uh, three surprised me. You know what, what sold me? What sold me <laughs> for three was I went to the panel at WonderCon. Okay. And and what J.J. showed us there, I was like, oh, I was in. For Mission Impossible Three, so and but I, I mean, I was in since since the beginning. I had no idea it was going to be this this franchise twenty years later, and it's still going. Right. Um, yeah. but and man, you know, Pittridge, he was in the first. He was one. in the first one, yeah. Yep. It was the, that's this. That's what I was so cool. It like really like bridged the series to have him, and obviously Ving Rhames has never left. So yeah, Simon Pig Simon Pegg came what in the third he, one he joined late i don't think he yeah. was in three i think he was in ghost protocol was his first like i said that for me was 
That's probably my favorite of the bunch is Ghost Protocol. I was a huge fan of the television show. So when the movie came out, and I, I already liked Tom Cruise. This is kind of before he went too wacky, but uh, I was I was in. I was all in on it because I remember me and my brothers went and seen it, and I was like, man, that was hella good. Uh, the stunts aren't the greatest in that one uh, because that it's one's all more like like almost more of a thinker than most of them. The first one is more of like a like a cerebral one. <laughs> That's what I liked about it. You had to really pay attention to what was going on if you didn't yeah. know. Um, but as as the movies went, his stunts got bigger yeah. and bigger and bigger. I mean, I didn't. Yep, yep. I liked the train scene at the end of the first one, but it looked dumb when he when he blew off, blew jumped off yeah, when it blew up. Straight it looked, ahead, <laughs> it looked kind of cheesy. Like now, yeah. he would probably like be on that train and really jump off for of it, real. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, anyway, but yeah, Dead Reckoning is uh, coming in at my number ten. Yep, and um, no secret, I'll have it further down the countdown. When it comes, I'll mention it. Anyways, uh, number nine for me. Is this the all basketball movie countdown? It is so far. It won't continue. Uh, number nine for me is Air. Following the history of sports marketing executive Sonny Vaccaro and how he led Nike in pursuit of the greatest athlete in the history of basketball, Michael Jordan. This also came out uh, toward the start of the year. Uh, Amazon movie, but it was in theaters first, and that's where I saw it. April 5th, I think it had... Uh, it was it was in theaters at least like a month, I think, or something before uh, it went on Amazon, I, I think, or it was at least two weeks or something. Um, it's interesting to see how it's listed on INDV. It says a remake of Soul Man. I mean... Soul Man is the 30 for 30 documentary about Sonny Vaccaro, which I highly re- recommend watching if you haven't seen it. Um, 30 for 30, they're all on the ESPN Plus if you have access to that. I don't right now, but... Uh, Not Soul yeah. Man with C. Thomas Hell. Nope. <laughs> yeah. That one, like, it was actually cool to know the story through the Soul Man documentary. Um and then go to see how it was portrayed here, like in a drama. Um, it also is interesting, this caught my eye uh, when I was putting my list together on IMDb that uh, on the trivia, it's first listed in the tri- trivia, though Michael Jordan was not directly involved in the film, Ben Affleck consulted him numerous times to get details at how to accurately portray the tor- story. According to Affleck, Jordan's only two requests were that Viola Davis play his mother and then his longtime friend Howard White be included in the film. Affleck always wanted to work with Chris Tucker, so he was cast as White. Tucker is also friends with White, and Affleck gave him a lot of flexibility for his performance. So, um, But yeah, speaking of, yeah, Matt Damon played Sonny Vaccaro, Jason Bateman played Rob Strasser, Ben Affleck played Phil Knight, and uh, yeah, Viola Davis played Dolores Jordan, Julius Tennant played James Jordan. It's interesting, um, Damian Delano Young is credited as Michael Jordan in it, even though they, they deliberately like never show his face in the film you only see like the back of his head and the shadow of him and whatnot so (laughs) 
But yeah, Chris Tucker played Howard White, like I said. Uh, it is streaming on uh, Prime. And yeah, obviously the big basketball hoops head that I am, I uh, really enjoyed it for what it was. And like I said, even knowing the the, the Soul Man documentary, it was cool to see uh, how how it played out and how they presented it as far as a movie. And uh, it's also been interesting to see like how well it was received by people that don't uh, really follow basketball. So that's been cool to see. I've talked to a bunch of people who, uh, who liked it, even though they're not the biggest uh, hoop heads like I am. So, but yeah, um, like I said, two basketball movies to uh, kick up my, my countdown. Uh, Number nine is air. Uh, that's an honorable mention. That movie was hella good. Uh, I'm not a basketball fan, but I did get uh, Jordan ones when they first came out. So I'd, I just tore them up skateboarding. Uh, I know someone will probably, why'd you tore those up? Nobody knew what they were going to be back then when they came out. Like I, like I, when I, when we first talked about that movie, I bought my Jordans when they were, you could buy two pairs for 20 bucks. That's how <laughs> nobody knew what those shoes were going to be. And I just ripped them up. <laughs> so, but that's an awesome film. It's, yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. Definitely check it out. I want to watch it again. I really loved it. Yep. Uh, all right. This next one, I was watching uh, this one guy on TikTok, and he had mentioned this film. Um, so I think I, it was on Prime is where I watched it, and uh, he was he was talking about all kinds of movies, but this one was the one that kind of grabbed me. Uh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead. Um, this is not my number nine, uh, is a film that I wanted to see in the theater, but, uh, I saw it. (laughs) So, but, um, not by other means. I just, I saw it. Uh, so, um, anyway, this is a, it was a drama and it was, it was, oh my God, it was depressing. It was sad. And I was like, oh my God, uh, mm. I was Uh-oh. crying my eyes out at the end, <laughs> man. Um, I already knew the story of, of this family from watching dark side of the ring. So I knew what was going to happen. And of course with this, they have to, uh, they couldn't tell the full story on what happened to these brothers, so they kind of just did what they could in what I think it was like two and a half hours or something like that, or two hours and twelve minutes. They showed us what they could show, and this is the the film, The Iron Claw, a true story of the inseparable Von Erich brothers who make history in the intensely competitive world of professional wrestling in the early 1980s. Through tragedy and triumph under the shadow of their demeaning father and coach, the brothers seek larger-than-life immortality on the biggest stage in the in sports. This came out on December 22nd, and it was directed by Sean Durkin, and this stars uh, Zach Efron. Uh, he played Kevin Von Erich, and I'll give it to Zach Efron. He's already in good shape. He's a he's a good-looking kid. He was in good shape. He does not look like Kevin Von Erich, so uh, shout-out to him. But anyway, man, this kid, he got juiced. Man, he was hella big in this. I was like, damn, man, that's a little, uh, what's his name from High School Musical? I was like, fuck, man, he was just, he was yoked. 
And I mean, of course, wrestling when it when his shirt comes off, even when he had his shirt on, man, his guns were huge. And I don't know if he gonna stay this big. He probably obviously got this big for the role. And man, I I was just like, whoa, I couldn't believe uh, his dedication to the role. Uh, this also stars Jeremy Allen White as Carrie Von Eric, uh, Harris Dickinson as David Von Eric, a Mora Tenery, I think that's her name. She was Doris, the mom, Doris Von Eric, and Holt McCauley. He was Fitz Von Eric. Oh man, I like him, but I hated him in this movie. He was just so. He wasn't like beating his boys, but he was really one of those fathers that would just push him and push him and push him. And I get what he was trying to do. He kept saying he was pushing them to great greatness, but oh man, it was just I I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. Uh, oh, and Stanley Simmons, he was Mike Von Erich, and then there was a bunch of other people in this film. But if you know the story of the Von Erichs, man, it it it's a sad story on what was going on. Um. If you really want to watch, there's some documentaries on YouTube you can watch. And uh, if you if you watch Dark Side of the Ring, if you can only handle 45 minutes of this sad story, definitely watch that. Uh, it was Kevin Von Erich telling the story in that one. And but this, oh man, it was it was good. It was a really good film. I love the way they filmed it. I loved how they filmed all the uh, wrestling scenes. But just what these guys went through as as a family and the, the just the tragedy and then uh the deaths that was going on in this family i mean i knew it was all coming but i was like oh but the this the the this there was a scene at the end that just got me and i was just like oh i had to stop it because tears were just pouring out of my eyes i was Kind of glad I didn't see this in the theater because I would have probably missed the whole ending completely because I was crying. But man, this movie was awesome. Um, I believe Zac Efron is up for some some kind of award. I don't know if it's Academy Award or whatever the Screen Actors Guild Awards or whatever. But I thought he did a really good job, the telling of the story and pretty much carrying uh, carrying the whole story because obviously he's probably the out of the brothers he was probably, he was the biggest name. But uh, the other guys that played the Von Eric brothers, man, they were all good. I've seen them in other things. But, man, this movie was awesome. I, I really highly recommend it. It's still in the theater. I don't know if it's going to be up for Academy Awards or anything. But um, even if you don't know wrestling and you just want to see the story of the Von Erics, this is something to go see. But you got to get in your head if you haven't seen it or don't know who they are. It's, it's, this is a Hollywood version. They're good. They can only jam in so much. There was more to each brother's story, but they had to just show you the highlights on on what happened to them in it. But oh my God, I was I was surprised on how awesome this movie was. I kind of had a feeling it would be in my top ten just because of of the wrestling aspect. Um, when I heard that uh, Zac Efron was doing a wrestling movie, I, I was like, oh, cool, right on. I thought it was just going to be some fictional movie that no one heard of. But, and then when they, I heard it was Von Erichs, I was like, <laughs> so. But I had to see it, and it was an amazing film. This is one of the last films uh, that I watched. So, um, again, I don't think you can rent it yet on any of these streaming sites, but it's still in the theater. If you want to see it or if you're just going to wait and cry in, in the privacy of your own home. Uh, yeah, this was a, an A24 release. Uh, they've 
always been hitting it out of the park uh, with the with the films that they put out. Not every film, A24 film is. Like some people think they're like the greatest. Uh, there's been a, a few that I'm like, eh. But this, is, this one was awesome. Will I buy it when it comes out? I don't know. I don't know if I could sit and watch this again. Uh, if I have it, it'll just sit on the shelf. And maybe once in a while, if somebody wanted to watch it, I'll, I'll pull it out. But... Yeah, well, as I was watching this film, I was like, I don't know if I could buy this one. It, this story was just, it was just too sad for me. But it was an amazing film. I, I, I have to give it that. And it did make my list. And that's uh, coming in at number nine. And that is The Iron Claw. Cool, cool. Yeah, I'll probably check it out once it uh, hits streaming. Though I know, obviously, now uh, what to expect as far as uh, I'm more on the tragedy side. Yeah, there, there was a lot in this one. <laughs> so, but it's still it's still a really good film. All right, all right. Uh, to my number eight, uh, another one that uh, surprised me. Didn't know what to expect. Uh, had the potential to be completely a mess, but instead it turned out to be a lot of fun, which is what I'm always looking for. Uh, something that surprises me and is really enjoyable. Uh, this one also uh, came out on the uh, earlier side of the year, which is always funny. Um, you can see like things were pegged in. Like I, I, I write these in the notes. So when something I'm like, that has into your potential, I'll put it on the list. And then, you know, it, it may be unfair to it, but yeah, as the year goes on and you see other things, you know, it drops, drops, drops down the list. So it, it, uh, though it may have been higher at the start of the year, it drops in here at eight. And this is, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. A charming thief and a band of unlikely adventurers undertake an epic heist to retrieve a lost relic. But things go dangerously awry when they run afoul of the wrong people. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves brings a rich world and playful spirit of the legendary role-playing game in big, to the big screen in a hilarious and action-packed adventure. Starring Chris Pine as Edgerin, Michelle Rodriguez as Holga, Renee Jean Page as Zank, Justice Smith as Simon, Sophia Lillis as Dorich, uh, Hugh Grant as Forge. Uh, yeah, I guess this is the sixth time uh, Dungeons and Dragons has been adapted for the screen. I couldn't remember uh, all the other six off the top of my head. I'm not even sure if I've seen all six, but uh, for me, this was the one. This one, because it just hit that perfect amount of fun and comedy and action and adventure so uh really a crowd pleaser and uh, that's usually what i'm looking for so uh that's really what nailed it for me it sounds like uh they're gonna do a, a follow-up for this one and maybe even like a side movie for the uh the one character uh Renee Jean Page's Zank, who actually among the group was in it the least. So I heard they had an idea they want to do like a spinoff movie just for him. I don't know if that would be a straight to Paramount Plus type thing. This is streaming on uh, Paramount Plus if you haven't seen it yet. And uh, yeah, I would recommend it just because 
it was a lot more fun than even I was uh, expecting. So, yeah, at my number eight spot, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. I didn't see that one. I'll get to it when I get to it. I know my girl's in it, but I just... I had well, a bunch it's almost of, been a year. I had a bunch <laughs> of the movies I had to watch. So, but uh, I'll get to it, everyone. I'll let you guys know what I think about it. Because... Um, before I started talking about Iron Claw, I was talking about watching this guy on TikTok, and that that made his list as well, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. But uh, he was talking about this film, which is coming in at my number eight, and I was like, okay, this sounds interesting. And then I I kind of read the premise, and then I saw that it was streaming on Prime, so I said, all right, well, I'll check it out. <clears throat> and this is a film. It's called A Thousand and One. An unapologetic and free-spirited Inez kidnaps her six-year-old son, Terry, from the from the foster care system. They set out to reclaim their, their, their scene at home, identity and stability in the rapidly changing New York City. I think it started in the 90s when, 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 he was, when Terry, her, Terry, her son, was really young. And then it went to where he was I think he was 17 when, when the movie ended But um, this was directed by A.V. Rockwell And this stars um, I'd seen her in other things uh, A Tiana Taylor She played Inez De La Paz Aaron Kingsley as, Oh, Aaron Kingsley Atola He played uh, six-year-old Terry Uh Evan Courtney played 13-year-old Terry, and Josiah Cross played Terry when he was 17. And this also starred William Collette as Lucky, a Terry Abney as Kim, and a bunch of other people in this film. All right. Oh, my God. It was written and directed by A.V. Rockwell. But, man, this movie, it was depressing as well, but... It was good, and the ending, I was like, whoa, wait, what? The ending kind of threw me. I had to go back and rewatch uh, the beginning, but the story on this was uh, Inez, she just got out of um, Rikers Island, out of prison. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember how long her bid was, but she came out, and she was just, she wanted to get her life back together, and she knew her son was within the, the child care system. And because it took her from her when when she went to when she went off to prison, so she still wanted that life with her son. So she kind of was following him around, knew where he went to school, and knew that he was staying. He had a foster home for a minute, but then he got taken from then, and then he went back into the this little foster home or foster group home. And one day he was out. Uh, oh no, he, he was out with his buddies, and she kind of went up to him and. Like, hey man, she was talking to him and everything. He knew she, he knew who she was. He remembered who she was, and she was, she was just trying to talk to him. And then he was just kind of like, he didn't really want nothing to do with her. So, but, so she was keeping an eye on him. And then one day she saw his buddies and said, hey, where's Terry at? And they said, oh, he was trying to escape the group home and he fell out of this window. So he's in the hospital. So she went to the hospital. Uh, to visit him to make sure he was okay and then she was visiting and visiting him and then he asked he asked her he just didn't want to talk to her and then he finally went why did you why do you keep leaving me 
and it kind of really got to her and then she just said f it kind of packed his things from the hospital uh and then took off they, they it started off in brooklyn and ended up in harlem where they were from so she took him back there and she was basically on the run trying to hide him um they were just trying to get by they were kind of jumping from couch to couch for friends she had but then she finally got her own place and then she was just like all right you need i need to work so we can pay for this place we're living at and have food and everything so you just stay here don't don't go outside don't open the door don't don't leave this apartment so he was kind of like all right and she knew that he had to get into school so she kind of um figured out a way how to get him into school so they can just live their lives so as the years went by he was growing up and everything and, and the story that was happening to them in it but oh man this movie was hella good it's a really really slow burn it's it's a drama it was uh, a little under two hours but I loved it. I kind of started to hate her for a minute on how she, mainly on how she was talking to her son, uh, which he was at, at a young age, just really cussing at him and saying, oh, you're not appreciative to anything and this and that. Uh, I grew up with some my, some of my friends' moms acting like how she did. And my mom never spoke to me like that. So and I didn't like it when my friends' moms would talk to them like that. So I did. I really didn't like how she was talking to her son in this one. But I mean, that's life. That's real life. That's why I really love this film. I mean, because I, I felt for the kid because I felt for my buddies that kind of went through something like this, dealing with the way their mom was was talking to him. Um. So, but as the movie went on and everything, I was like, oh, I was I was all in. I watched it really late. I thought it was gonna be another movie. I was just gonna fall asleep watching it, but I I had to see how it ended. But, um, yeah, this would be another one. I don't think I would buy this. But I would probably come back to it again. Because I remember t- I was telling Renee about it. And I said, I think you should watch this movie. So, but it really it really touched me. And I was really like, okay, I liked, I liked this film. I liked what was going on. I didn't think it was going to be on my best of list. I was just kind of just going through what everyone else was thinking their best movies is. I don't know if this was in a the theater. If it was, it wasn't any theaters around me. So, but I'm glad I watched this film. If you guys have, you guys have Prime and I'm selling it to you, uh, definitely check this film out. And this is coming in at my number eight spot, and that is a thousand and one. All right, all right, all right. Have you heard of this one? I haven't at all. This news to me. <laughs> yeah, man. This one, this one crept in at the end, <laughs> but it was okay, really good. Okay. It was a really good film. Yeah. So far, you had a couple of those that. Uh, Came in and took uh, took films away. I'm interested now. You know, we'll, we'll wait to the end of the pod, but uh, I'm interested to hear what got knocked out <laughs> when we uh, get there. A, there's a lot. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. At number seven for me uh, is a film that maybe I thought had uh, like a higher potential, but uh, new. It uh, obviously had a real good chance at my list, and uh, I liked this movie enough to see it twice in theaters. Uh, the second time was actually by accident, but I enjoyed it just as much the second time. So well, once I saw it the second time and I had just as much fun, it kind of uh, locked it in on my list. And this is uh, Dr. Jones in his last run, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Return of the legendary hero, Indiana Jones, in the fifth installment of the beloved swashbuckling series of film. 
Finding himself in a new era approaching retirement, Indy wrestles with fitting in a world that seems to have outgrown him. But as the tentacles of an all-too-familiar evil return in the form of an old rival, Indy must don his hat and pick up his whip once more to make sure ancient and powerful artifact doesn't fall into the wrong hands. Yeah, uh, like I said, um, obviously I was I was highly looking forward to this. And uh, I, overall, I felt like, uh, you know, it, it really... Uh, Delivered. Obviously, Harrison Ford back as Indiana Jones. Uh, Fieber Waller-Bridge played Helena. Antonio Banderas played Ronaldo. John Rhys-Davies returned to Sala. Toby Jones was Basil Shaw. And uh, Ethan Isidore was Teddy Kumar. And Mads Mikkelsen was Dr. Waller. So... Uh, yeah, I, it, was, it was interesting. I think I told the story, but... Uh, the first time I saw it was like right, I think it was opening opening day, and it was a fair sized crowd for around here at least, around 20 people. But uh, when I went with my folks and we were uh, actually trying, I was trying to take them to see uh, Mission Impossible, we ended up in the theater for Indy, and it was packed, like almost every seat was took. It had to have been like 60 plus people in there. So. Uh, it was good to see that, and that usually helps uh, with the experience too. But uh, yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I guess it would fall uh, fourth in the rankings. Uh, I don't hate Crystal Skull like most people do, but uh, I think it would still slot in first after the original trilogy. Then we'd go Dial Destiny, then Crystal Skull. Um, but yeah, it was great that uh, Harrison Ford got out there one last time. Um, really happy he was able to do it. I heard actually um, the deal he made with kind of like Lucasfilm Disney was he would return as Han Solo for The Force Awakens if they did one more indie movie for him. So took almost 10 years but uh between force awakens and uh, dial of destiny here but uh i'm glad he got it in here and uh i i guess i'm almost positive this is uh the last we'll see of indy so just for that reason alone i felt like it deserved a spot on my countdown so yeah number seven indiana jones in the dial of destiny well that's in my honorable mentions because that movie was yeah, awesome so. <laughs> yep so but all right. Uh, coming in at my number seven, <clears throat> this is a film that came out on Netflix. Everyone was talking about it. So I said, all right, let me just see what everyone's yapping about. And this is Leave the World Behind. A family mm. vacation on Long Island is interpreted by two strangers bearing news of a blackout. As the threat grows, both families must decide how best to survive the potential crisis, all while scraping with their with their own gripping with their own place in the collapsing world. This was directed by Sam Ismail, and this stars uh, Academy Award winner uh, Julia Roberts, um, Ethan Hawke, a Marshala Mar 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 I can't never pronounce his name. Marshala. Uh, Ali, a... Mahala. I think that's how you say her name. A Farah McKenzie, a Charlie Evans, uh, 
the great Kevin Bacon, uh, Alexis Ray, Fulrenzia, whatever her name was, and a few other people. Not a bunch of other people, just a few other people. Um, but man, this movie was awesome. I watched it three times. <laughs> mm-hmm. When it was really over, I, I was like, whoa, wait, what? So I had to watch it again. And then I told Renee about it and Eric. And then I, I sat I sat down and watched it for the third time uh with them. But man, this this movie was hella good. A lot of people, oh, it's just woke nonsense and all this bullshit. I'm like, shut oh, up. Oh, get out of here. It was a good movie. I thought it was hella good. It just kind of reminded me of like a Stephen King. Uh, you just wake up one morning and all hell break breaking loose in the world and, and everything. So <laughs> I loved what was going on in this movie. It was really good. Uh, the CGI wasn't the greatest, except for that plane crash. Um, but man, it made you think. Um, uh, yeah, it was so, scary in the way that it felt. Yeah, like this could happen. It <laughs> felt like this could happen. <laughs> uh, it, everyone was kind of saying it was kind of like a, a Red Dawn type of situation, and mm-hmm. and it was it was more of a collapse of the U.S. Uh, falling into civil war Which some idiots want For some reason I keep telling those fools Oh we want civil war I said you know how fucking di- quick you would die In a civil yeah. war No matter how many <laughs> guns you think you own And how smart you are You don't yeah. have a military force That would just right. roll in and take you out So shut the fuck up uh, Anyway um, With ease <laughs> with this, uh, But this movie was awesome man I really enjoyed what was going on in it um, take it for whatever you want with it if you've seen it already. But I loved it. I I just loved what was going on in the whole thing and just the the feeling of dread. Like, what if this did happen? I mean, I I could do that with a lot of movies, man. What what fuck? What if that happened? What if that happened? Like The Mist. <laughs> yeah, it was more sci sci fi horror. But I mean, what if something like that happened? I mean, there's aliens out there, everyone. They were trying to hide it from us. Um, but I've always thought there was aliens. We can't be the only life on all these planets. So if you don't think so, you probably think the world's flat, but anyway, um, (laughs) but I loved what was going on in this movie. I am not that big of a fan of Julia Roberts. I, I think Aaron Brockovich is the only movie that I really liked her in, but I I just, I don't know what it is. I've never really liked her. So she was bugging the hell out of me (laughs) in this movie. Were you the one that told me to watch this? Yeah, I did. Oh, and I yes, told you, were. you that I told you that she's never been more unlikable. Like she's playing an unlikable person. Eh, she kind of comes around a little, but still, um, yeah. <laughs> I liked Ethan. Okay, you were the one that told me about it, and then I started reading, and, yeah. and everyone else was talking about it. So I was like, all right, let me watch this. Um, and man, I loved it. I thought it was an amazing film. I loved the cinematography. I loved. Uh, a lot of the um, the visuals that we got. I don't know if you guys have, have seen it. If you guys noticed that big painting kept changing uh, every time they showed it that was on the wall in the living room. Right. Um, but and the the little references they threw out to uh, Mr. Robot. I caught I caught one of those. Right. Um, That's the the guy Sam Ismail. He he's the creator director of Mr. Robot. That's what drew me to this in the first place, obviously, like, and I was a fan of his other show that he did for Amazon homecoming. So, which was interesting. And that was, uh, his connection with Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts was in homecoming. So, 
I, well, I didn't watch it. But man, this movie was hella good. I I really enjoyed it. I I couldn't believe. Um, I watched it like the three times within a couple of days. Because do you know that that's how you know it deserved a spot on your list? Yeah, because <laughs> I was I mean, even after that first watch, I was like, wow, man, that movie was pretty deep. And then I was telling Renee about it, but I didn't want to ruin it. So I just, right, right. let me watch this again. <laughs> the part I liked was that plane crash when uh, Blade was outside mm-hmm. and he saw that plane come and then he ran in the house. And that, that effect was awesome because when the he first went cool. into that, when I first went in the house, the floor was all wet and he was like, what the hell happened? Right. And there was a, well, I guess it was a plane crash before he got there. Then he saw another one. Yeah, happen. it was, it was the zone of which incoming planes were getting disabled so one had already gone down there and then that one came in next so it was like it's not a spoiler because yeah. it, i'm watching the trailer and it's in the trailer when that plane crashes so but yeah man this movie was hella good i, I really it loved it if netflix they're hit and miss and putting their stuff out physically. oh yeah yeah but uh if they do i'm buying it because <laughs> i thought this movie was hella good I'm getting juice. I want to watch it again. But yeah, coming in at number seven is Leave the World Behind. The biggest lesson, too, I said this after you first watched it. The biggest lesson to come out of it, too, is uh, appreciate your physical media, which both you and me do. So I was like, that was like, that like resonates with us. (laughs) Yeah, so I got plenty of physical media. I I think I probably had more than what that guy was showing. Right. Um, I still no don't guess I still don't get the friends thing. I watched a lot of videos on uh, them trying to explain the movie, but it was just the friends thing. I didn't. I was like, eh, OK, I mean, I liked friends, but I wasn't that big of a fan to to buy yeah. each season. I think it was just that idea of like. Not she said, like, I have to finish this story, like, I have to know what happens, <laughs> like it really like. I kind of, you know, you kind of can relate to that. Like, imagine in that type of situation and you, like, didn't get to finish, like, a story you were doing. Like, you'd be like, oh, my God, what happened with that story? From what I understood (laughs) from how I took that, it was more of it was an escape for her. Right. Because of what was going on in her family life and what was going on in her personal life and everything. And then she... uh kind of went to friends and watching the show of hey these guys they're just friends and they're, they're having their they're having a good time most of the time but they, they, they do go up and down with the storylines and everything so i think she was just like let me get away from my life for a little while let me leave the world behind and yeah, let me get yeah, into the exactly. world of friends that's exactly. how i took that's how i took yeah. it that she why she wanted she had she kept saying i have to see what happens right and so. the other girl like told her like that like yeah that show is cool but that's like of an era that's past or maybe didn't even exist which is funny because i remember when friends was airing like people said like like whatever like where they lived and how they lived and like the jobs they had like there's no way they could like afford it like it was oh, that like gosh. itself was like an unrealistic part of friends. even yeah even back when that show was airing the yeah where they lived hell no they couldn't afford that yeah and, and what they were doing Joey was a struggling actor and Chandler was whatever what he was doing made. yeah yeah I, I don't know but I mean I, I didn't I never seen it from 
beginning to end. But I mean, I'd right. seen me I'd seen episodes here and there, and I enjoyed them. Same. Same. But yeah, but uh, yeah, number seven, leave the world behind. All right, that'll bring me to number six. And I'm back on the, it really surprised me. That's why it deserves a spot on my list. Uh, This is a film I had no intention of making my end of year list. And uh, it surprised me on so many levels. uh, So that's why it's here. And uh, this is A Haunting in Venice. In post-World War II Venice, Portroy, now retired and living in his own exile, reluctantly attends a seance. But when one of the guests is murdered, it's up to the former detective to once again uncover the killer. This is the third in, I guess you could say, the Kenneth Branagh uh, Portroy trilogy. Um, The first one obviously being uh, Murder on the Orient Express, the second being uh, Death on the Nile, and then you have Haunting in Venice here. I both thought both those first two films were okay. Like I like like uh, murder mysteries, crime drama, kind of whodunits. Uh, so I enjoyed those films, but neither of those films made my end of year list. You know, probably honorable mention at the most. Uh, but this far and away would rank as my number one favorite of the series. Uh, so much so, uh, I I assume it was it kind of makes sense for them to just stop here with the with the Portroy uh, Branow films, but uh, who knows? Maybe not, because uh, this one got me excited. Like I'll be there uh, opening day for the next one if they want to do another one, because that's how much I love this film. Uh, Kenneth Branow played uh, Portroy, Michelle Yeoh. Played Joyce Reynolds, Jamie Dornan played Dr. Leslie Ferrer, Tina Fey played Adrian Oliver, Dylan Corbett Baker played Baker, um, and a bunch of other people. Directed by Kenneth Branagh, and uh, yeah, this came out. Uh, didn't it come out in October? Uh, no, it came out in September, September fifteenth. But I saw it, I think, closer to October, which. Uh, was you know the haunting season which i'm I'm a little surprised it didn't actually come out uh closer to october or in october considering the the haunting in venice uh storyline and yeah there is uh it is like a halloween themed party that he attends for this uh seance and then things go down and uh yeah it's it just goes from there, and I thought it was uh, really good, and it's streaming on Hulu now. Most of these that are on the list, it's funny, they're they're on uh, streaming. Did you get a chance to see this one? I did not. I just saw the first one. What was the first one? Um. um yeah. Um... Sorry, everyone. I'm, I'm huffing and puffing. I had to <sighs> run and do something real quick. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, was the one on like the train? Said, it, yeah. It, like I said, that one was cool. Uh, Murder on the Orient Express was cool. Death on the Nile was cool. But to me, Haunting in Venice, like, 
blows them out of the water, like top to bottom, the performances, the story, uh, the directing, like the way it was portrayed. Like, like I said, I love when a film surprised me and this one totally did. And this was, uh, like I said, on the, the opposite. And yeah, I think I, like I said, I saw it a few weeks after it was out, but at that point, um, there's like two other people in the theater. It was nearly a private show. But uh, yeah, I loved this film, Haunting in Venice. And that was your number six? That was my number six. All right, my number six. Um, I was trying to just fill up my horror list. And one of my friends goes, I think you'll like this one. Check this one out. I went, all right. It was uh, I think it was a Hulu original. So, but this is uh, horror drama. Eh, okay, it wasn't very long. It was PG thirteen, and it was an hour and a half. Whew, sorry everyone. I was just rushing around. My wife's coming home, so I had to do something real fast. But anyway, this is no one will save you. Uh, Brian finds Solus. I think I thought I said her name. Bryn, Brian, whatever her name was. Finds uh, souls within the walls of her home where she grew up until she's awakened one night by strange noises from unearthly intruders. All right. And this stars who? Caitlin Deaver. I think that's her name. Uh, Elizabeth Calev. She played young. I think her name was Brian or Brian. I can't remember her name. A. Uh, Lauren L. Murray and some other people in this film. It was basically just her. And this movie was an alien invasion movie. And I was all in once I realized what was going on. So I was like, okay, what is this movie? Oh, shout out to uh, Brandon. He was one of the guy I work with. He also told me to watch this one. This came out in September, and I remember him telling me to check it out. And I said, okay, I'll I'll get to it, I'll get to it. But I I saw it on one of those horror movie lists. So I said, well, I got Hulu, let me check it out. But man, this movie was hella good. It was was really kind of intense on what was happening. I loved, sorry about the noise. I loved what was happening in it. When uh, once the the aliens, it kind of reminded me of um, like signs. It wasn't the aliens weren't all crazy looking. They looked like the aliens when when, when like when you think of an, an alien uh, flying saucers and aliens. You the the big heads, the skinny bodies, and the big eyes. They were like that. So, but it it was like it was really intense, especially when they were. Um, it was they they came at night and there was a scene where uh, it kind of reminded me of in close encounters of the third kind if you guys have seen that how once they got in the house all kinds of the electronics and everything were were going all crazy and everything the special effects in this was really good practical effects on what they did and she was basically running for her life in the house and everything and then once she kind of got the next morning when she kind of got out of the house to go see uh, if this this happened anywhere else, she starts seeing all kinds of crazy things, like 
something happened in her town, but she doesn't really know what's going on. She starts coming across her neighbors and everything. She notices that they're all acting weird and everything. So she kind of like, well, I'm on my own. So I need to go home and just figure out how to not die (laughs) and get captured by these aliens. So, but man, this movie was hella good. I watched it twice and I was like, oh, I was, I was blown away on how good it was. Um, I don't think it was in theater, but it was, it was an amazing film. I really loved it. I, if you like these type of alien invasion films, um, cause one of my other friends was, he doesn't, he doesn't like alien invasion movies. So I was like, okay, I was all in saying everything. And I have questions. I had to watch some videos the way it ended. I was kind of like, hmm, okay, that's, I'm all right. All right. I, I can live with the way it ended and everything, but man, this movie was really good. I was shocked because it drew me in really quick. It, 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 it started off kind of like, okay, maybe this is going to be like a, a slow burn, but it was like once the alien uh, factor kicked in, you kind of like went, whoa, okay. And, and then it just boom, boom, boom. Then it was just like a roller coaster ride of up and down of things happening throughout the whole film. And that's what I liked. That's what grabbed me. That's what kept my attention with this film. As I'm talking about it, I'm watching the trailer, uh, making me want to watch it again. But man, this movie was hella good. I, I didn't. I didn't it, see. I didn't really think. Okay, as I'm watching this, I'm not thinking about this is gonna make uh, my best of list. It was afterwards, after I watched it the first time, and then I started watching videos on them explaining some things that I had questions on in the film. I watched it again, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I see it now." So I was like, "It was one of those movies where I had to do." There's plenty of movies that I've seen where like, "Okay, that was good," and leave it alone. But when something like this, I need something, something, I, I'm thinking one way, okay, I think this is what that means. And then I'll go on YouTube, watch a bunch of other videos of what it means to other people. And then I kind of come into, all right, I get it now. It's just everyone's interpretation of the film. But for what it was, it was a really, really good film. And this girl pretty much carried the whole movie by herself. And from what I remember, there was like rarely to no dialogue in this whole film. <laughs> so, but it it was an amazing film, man. I was shocked on uh, how it went and everything and the outcome of the whole thing. But uh, again, there's a lot of practical effects and of course there's CGI and everything. So, but I thought they did really good job with the the way that the creature effects of obviously. Some of it was CGI and, and some of it was practical. And I, but I loved uh, what was happening in this film. So it was it was a thinker, made me think about it, and but it didn't make me go like, oh man, what if this happened? Um but what if it did happen? What if the aliens did come down mm-hmm. and, and try to take over? <laughs> right, right. But it was a really good film and I was shocked. It was again it was only PG thirteen. It went by really fast, uh, because I was all sucked into it. It was only an hour and thirty three minutes, but man. It really stuck with me when the movie was over. So after doing yeah. all my research and everything, I'm like, all right, this, I got to put this go. on my list. I didn't know where I had to really sit there and right. think about <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, this is coming in at my number six. And this is the Hulu original, Hulu original, No One Will Save You. Okay. You think I should check it out? <laughs> yeah, man. I, I think you'd like it. Check it out. All right. Will do. 
All right, moving along, uh, the number five spot uh, for reasons very similar to my number six movie, uh, Haunting in Venice. At number five, I've got The Equalizer 3. Since giving up his life as a government assassin, Robert McCall, Denzel Washington, has struggled to reconcile the horrific things he's done in the past and finds a strange solace in serving justice on behalf of the oppressed. Finding himself surprisingly at home in southern Italy, he discovers new friends are under the control of local crime bosses. As events turn deadly, McCall knows what he has to do. Become his friend's protector by taking on the mafia. Like I said, Denzel Washington, Robert McCall, Dakota Fannings, Emma Calling, Emma Collins. Uh, it's a reunion of them all the years after uh, Man on Fire. And yeah, a uh, bunch of other people. Uh, no other real big names directed by Antoine Fuqua. Uh, this did come out in that same similar time frame as uh, Haunting in Venice, uh, start of September. September 1st is when this came out. And yeah, uh, like I said, with Haunting in Venice, this one, um, expectations were low. Uh, I liked the first two all right. And it's funny, both Haunting in Venice and Equalizer 3, third films you could say in, in, in trilogies, and far and away best films in their series uh, to me. So yeah, like I knew what I got in Equalizer and Equalizer 2 and it was cool and I liked it. And like I said, we weren't, uh, I, I don't think uh, we were doing the top 10 when those, those films came out, but uh, probably honorable mention type films. But yeah, I absolutely loved this film. My favorite of these Equalizer films, my favorite take of Denzel on the character and his like I like I described when it when it first came out the way he his like the no nonsense action I love action and I got uh, tons of action here in my uh my countdown but like the unique like no nonsense like approach that he that he takes it's like so awesome so raw and uh, yeah, I was really impressed by this one. It uh, just started streaming on Netflix too. So I highly recommend checking it out. So yeah, my number five spot, Equalizer 3. I just watched it and eh, it was okay. It didn't even make my um, honorable mention list. I love the first two. The first one being my favorite one. I like uh, this bro- one far and away the best. I thought the, especially... Though they're not even long, I love the like efficiency efficiency of his like action scenes. I thought it was awesome. Cause I watch these kind of in a row, like one, two, and then this one. So I I remember seeing I the second one was the best. I it was all right, man. It didn't it didn't grab me like the way the first one did. Because uh, hashtag not my equalizer, but it was. It was good. I lo- I liked what was going on. I'm like, okay, this is a something that that I grew up with 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 the TV show, and like, all right, this is a different take because it, when it was on TV, I mean, they they couldn't it couldn't be all violent like it was. So the, when the first one came out, I was like, all right, this is cool. Denzel, awesome actor, Academy Award winner. And then when Equalizer two came out, they tried to up the game, moving it to his location and having the mob or whoever they were that was chasing him. And this one taking it uh, out of the United States. Uh, 
to Spain? Is that where they were? Or Italy? Italy, oh, Italy. Okay. And to, yeah, to me, the scene, like especially that stands out, is after the the dinner scene, and he like uh, confronts the people, and like he doesn't wait for them to like do something to those he loves. Like he just strikes at them. I that. I absolutely loved that scene and like how raw he is and quick and efficient at like dispatching those guys. That was so cool. <laughs> Listen to the next action returns. Cause we're starting with the first one. Um, we haven't done, we haven't recorded it yet. We're going to, we're going to do it. We're probably eventually going to do uh, two and three, but yeah, it, it didn't grab me. I wanted it to, I bought the Blu-ray, I bought the steel book and everything. But when I finally sat down and watched it, and I was kind of like, eh, okay. I think I just, because I watched them in order, like within days apart. So I was kind of like, eh, all right, man, whatever. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe I my didn't mind really love this. I didn't really love the second one, revisiting the second one. I didn't I didn't really love the second one. I did. I liked all that. I thought there was more action in that one than there was in the, in the three. So, but, but yeah, no, three I loved. Uh, well, it didn't make my list, everyone, or my honorable mention list. But the Steelbook yeah, looks cool. All the way at five for me, Equalizer three. All right, coming in at my number five. This is a film that I just went and seen. I watched the trailer and I was like, okay, this sounds good. I went and seen it the night it came out, and I was blown away by what what I saw on the screen. And this is uh, Talk to Me. When a group of friends discover how to uh, conjure spirits when, with an enabled hand, embalmed hand, uh, they become hooked on a new thrill of high-stakes party game until one of them goes too far and unleashes terrifying supernatural forces. This was directed by, I think there was two directors in this one. Let me see. Come on, you guys are killing me. What's up with this? Slow internet today. Well, it's snowing outside, everyone. A Danny Filippo and Michael Filippo. I think that's how I say the last name. Uh, from what I believe, this was uh, two YouTubers that made an independent film. And then they sold it to A24. And then A24 turned it into this big, huge uh, budget film. But man, this movie was awesome. I loved it. I just, I was like, whoa. It was a lot of horror movies lately. It's usually just the the, the retelling of, of, of a ghost story or supernatural type of thing. Um, this didn't remind me of anything. Unless one of you can tell me what it reminds you of. But I liked what what they did. They They took this embalmed hand that you had to hold and then say, talk to me. And then all of a sudden it basically kind of took over your mind and showed you all kinds of crazy things. Basically it was like a, uh, a connection to the spirit world. And like, like if I was doing it with somebody, I wouldn't, I would, first of all, I wouldn't touch this thing. Um, like if I was at that party and whoever touched it, we would be able to talk to them cause they would be a spirit and everything. And then what, what happens to you, uh, you, you see, what uh, the spirit is showing you and this basically just kind of opens a door to the spirit world and then all hell breaks loose uh, through the rest of this film but man the way they did it was amazing um a bunch of i think it was this was in australia and it was i didn't know who any of these 
actors were. But the way they filmed it, the score, uh, the actors, everybody in it did their job, and it was amazing. And I left the theater like, wow, that movie was awesome. And it just, it I saw it twice in the theater, and I bought it once it came out on Blu-ray. Um, there is a special edition that comes with one of those hands. Nope, that is not going to be in, in my collection. <laughs> Uh, just like Witchboard, I do not touch those things either. And I love Witchboard, the movie, but uh, those Ouija boards, I don't know. I don't, I don't touch those things. And yeah, if this, if this thing is real, or if this was based off a, a real game or, or something, I, I, I know I don't want no part of it. But the movie was amazing. I, I just could not believe it. Uh, again, as soon as I saw the movie, I left. Um, I went and started watching videos on on YouTube, but it was a main. It was mainly talking about the the little short film that they made. But I had to wait a few days before everyone saw this movie and then started doing their breakdowns on on what this meant and what that meant and everything. But this movie really stuck out to me as far of, as far as horror films. So I was like, oh my god! But yeah, this movie's hella good. Um, I think you can rent it now. It says here four ninety nine on Prime or wherever. And everything, but I had to pick this up uh, on Blu-ray once it hit. And yeah, man, this movie—it's—it's it's amazing, and I love it. And if if you like horror films and you have not seen this yet, I highly, highly recommend you see uh, Talk to Me. And that's coming in at my number five spot. All right. Yeah, sounds like I'm I'm out on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Jade should watch it because it's hella good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, my next one, it only made sense to uh, put it here, and uh, it works for me. It's a fitting spot for it. And this is uh, my number four spot. It's John Wick 4. John Wick Chapter 4. John Wick uncovers a past to defeating the high table. Before he can earn his freedom, Wick must face off against a new enemy with powerful alliances across the globe and forces that turn old friends into foes. Keanu Reeves is John Wick, Lawrence Fishburne, Fishburne's the Bowery King, uh, Lance Reddick in one of his last roles, uh, Sharon, Clancy Brown, Harbinger, Ian McShane, Winston, Bill Skarsgård's the Marquis, Donnie Yen is Kane, and a bunch of other people directed by Chad Stolsky. Um, yeah, for my for my rankings, uh, although this comes in at the number four spot, I think it's hard to argue with like the amount of action uh, when you're gauging something. Uh, it's hard to top Wick. Wick uh, chapter four here, the amount of action you get, the uh, quantity of action you get uh, is hard to top here. And uh, it was supposed to be Keanu's last run as the character, but uh, film did so well, and it's such a beloved character. They left the door open for it, and it sounds like it is going to happen, that he is going to come back. But uh, uh, either way, uh, I also kind of liked the other like side storylines that they had. The Donnie Yen's Kane character. Uh, that was really cool. Wouldn't mind seeing more of him. And even uh, Shamir Anderson's uh, the tracker character. I heard he was supposed to get like they did that Continental 
uh, TV show on Peacock, which was uh, uh, like a retro, like uh, Ian McShane's character when he was young at the Continental. I heard they were supposed to do a tracker TV show, too. Uh, we'll see if that ever ends up happening. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, too, as far as like talking like uh, quantity and high levels of action, uh, this one's almost three hours long. This is two hours and 49 minutes. Uh, yeah, so it's it's on the high end of, like I said, it's, uh, well, you know, obviously it just jumps from action scene to action scene. And uh, that's can't go wrong in my book for that matter. So uh, from the moment it came out, uh, it was on my list. It, it, I, it actually kind of fluctuated. It was high and then it was dropping. And then I actually started to appreciate it even more and it crept back up. And then I was like, hey, it's chapter four. Why not put it at the number four spot? It only made sense to lock it in at number four. So, yeah, for me, John Wick chapter four is my number four film. Sorry, Daniel was talking to me. No, it's fine. Uh, yeah, ja chapter four, John Wick. Uh, it was awesome. I watched it a few times. I picked it up once it came out. Um, it, number one is still hands down the best one, in my opinion. I, I loved Same. number Same. one. That one was awesome. To me, that one was a little more real, story-wise. Yes. Story <laughs> it's I mean, gone not, off not the deep end here. It's I think, like so unreal at this point, but it's yeah. still fun. It's still good action. So I, I think appreciate you, it. For you want to see the action now. Yeah. On, on what he, you want to see more gunfights. You want to see more hand to hand. You want to see that. Um, but yeah, this one, it didn't make my list at all. It's, okay. uh, it's an honorable mention. Uh, I loved it, but nah, I mean, it just, I don't good. know. Good. I mean, good. I kept seeing a bunch <laughs> of other movies. <laughs> They pushed it out of the way. It was on the list when when it when it first came out, and then it just doop, boop boop got bumped. Yeah, bumped like down. I said, for me, same thing. When it first came out, up top of the list, but as the year went on, it actually went down. And then right as we came up here, it kept creeping up. And I was like, hey, actually, that would be kind of cool to put it at number four. John Wick four. Let's put it at four. All right. <laughs> on to my number four. Uh, this was pretty much right in the middle of my uh, foot injury, so but I did make it out to the theater and see it. It was three hours and 26 minutes, and it was a rough one. I held it <laughs> that whole time. But this is uh, Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, real love crosses paths with unspeakable betrayal as Molly Burkhart, a member of the Osage Nation, tries to save her community from the spree of murders fueled by oil and greed. Again, this is directed uh, by Academy Award winner Martin Scorsese, and it stars Academy Award winner Leonardo DiCaprio, Academy Award winner Robert De Niro, Golden Globe winner Lily Gladstone. That was such an amazing uh, speech she said. I was so happy she won, and I cheered. When that Golden Globes was, was was the other night, but when she won, she really deserved her, her Golden Globe. She did an awesome performance in this film, and I had tears in my eyes during her speech because she spoke to all of us uh, within the indigenous communities. But uh, she did an amazing job with this. Hopefully, she gets nominated for Academy Award, and my fingers crossed if she does, I hope she wins because she deserves it. 
Uh, also, uh, Fat Damon, uh, Jesse Plemons, uh, the great John Lithgow, the Tantu Cardinal, um, was it Maya Lopez's grandma? <laughs> She's in this. Uh, yep. Academy Award winner, Brandon Fraser, who Cara uh, Jade Myers, she was my favorite in this movie. She was awesome uh, in this movie. A, a Jane Collins, a Jillian Dion, William Ballou, Jason Isabel, uh Tananka Tata I think his name is Tananka I think that's how you say his name uh means he's in this he's also uh in uh Echo as well he was one of the uh, Indians when they were playing that stick game uh, I noticed he was in that so a lot of cast from Reservation Dogs is in Echo if you guys haven't seen it I zipped through that whole series hella good anyway um did you end up feeling finishing it one to go. All right. <laughs> oh, man. Hell good. It's so good. <laughs> anyway, but this movie, I didn't think it was going to make my list. I saw it. Uh, there was a lot of mixed reviews on on what it was. Uh, I had to watch it a second time. And I'm like, all right, really good. I loved the performances. Um, Leo, he's good. Robert De Niro, of course. He's amazing at everything he does. Is every Martin Scorsese film good? No, my opinion. Um, but this story, this was based off of a book of, I can't remember the guy's name. I want to say his name is David Grant. I think that's his name. I don't know. But, um, if you want to read a better one, I can't remember the, uh, it was written by, uh, an indigenous, indigenous author. Um, from what she was saying, uh, that's, that, that's her story is more to what really happened but this of course it did it did happen shout out to the osage nation they had a really big uh hand in this on what uh what was right and what was wrong uh with the story um shout out to chris hill if you guys listen to uh, one of my latest magnets podcasts he was one of the extras in the film and he gave his uh his little story on uh what he did well during the making of this film and he said it was rough <laughs> but he, it sounded like he did have a good time. He got to meet everyone. He got to hang out with Leo and all that. So, but um, this movie was good, man. It was sad. I mean, I left the theater, man, with "Don't Trust Whitey," because uh, that's all it was. It was just about greed. White men came in, bad enough, they went and took everyone's land, but now they were trying to take the oil because the oil was on the res, and they wanted to go in and take it all. But the only way they could do it is. Uh, by getting uh, non-natives to marry into the tribe. And that's what uh, Leo's um, was his, his character was doing. He had to um, get in good with um, Molly Burkhart, uh, Lily Gladstone's character, uh, make, make her fall in love with him. And then basically trying to, to get her oil rights so they can get that money. And Robert De Niro, he played William Hale. He was the leader of it all trying to get all these people to go in, marry all these natives so you can get their money. But as they were doing that, that's when uh, the murders started. Because all the the, the mysterious, is that the, how they kept saying it, murders of all these indigenous people that were that were dying, ending up dead. Uh, some were saying, oh, well, maybe they, maybe they shot themselves or maybe they just drank themselves to death. No, they were all murdered basically to get their money, their oil money. 
So I was like, wow. I mean, I kind of knew the story, but I really didn't know it all. I, as my, I just knew as much as what was shown in the film. I, I'm not that big of a reader, but I did watch some documentaries and watch a lot of um, YouTube videos uh, of people of what really was ex- explaining on what was going on. They again, again, it's three and a half hours, but they they can only show you as much as they can in this story, and of course, dramatize it up and everything for you. Um. And it was more of the story from from Leo's perspective on what he had to do to go in and try to take uh, the money or basically get into this family, which was uh, Lily Gladstone's character, get into her family and everything. And then they had this big court uh, battle at the end of the film and everything. But, man, this movie was hella good. I was really shocked on how good it was. And like I said earlier, um, there was mixed reviews within the the native community some people were like yeah this is just hollywood trying to glorify and make money off excuse me off the natives i get it i understand yeah your situation or on, on your on i understand their opinions um but as me as as a movie goer and i love martin scorsese again i don't like all of his films but i love a lot of them what i loved about what he did here is I'm so familiar with his film style. He just did it all here, but put it out uh, out in Oklahoma and put it out on the res and everything. So I liked what he did. And what I really liked is that the Osage Nation, they had a lot of say in this film. It wasn't like a lot of old movies when they were dealing with natives and they just, the natives are just in it. They at least gave them okay this is this is right this is wrong da, 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 do this 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 and that so he was able to all right i'm on your land help me make this film as real as possible and they came in and they said that he really listened and he paid attention to what they were saying and he and they if they wanted it this way that's the way he filmed it so i was like all right that's really cool i'm glad that he did sit there and and come up with okay this is the, the game plan on what we're doing and there was a lot of the people of the osage nation that sat in there with him to <clears throat> to help him make this film so i really liked that and what chris was telling me on the, in the interview i said that they had a lot of um uh, a little celebration uh, uh dinners and everything and leo and martin scorsese and then they all came to him they they came hey you're invited come on and that they were respectful to go to those. It wasn't like, ah, eh, I can't, I'm too busy doing this. They made the time to go to their, to their, to their meals and everything. So I thought that was good. Big up to Leo and, um, uh, Martin Scorsese. Awesome. But, uh, Lily Gladstone, she did an amazing performance. I didn't know who this young sister was until I first saw her on reservation dogs, uh, last season, season was it season two, I think. That's the first time I would heard her. And then once I heard that name, then I started watching a bunch of things that she was in. So, but when she, when I found out she was in this and what was going on in it, I said, okay, let me, let me check this out. And, uh, all the native actors that were in this, they all did an amazing job. Even the ones that were just standing around in the background, like Chris, um, which was cool. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, they were in it. And if you didn't listen to that interview, listen to how he got put into that movie. It was it was a cool little story on how he got to be an extra in this film, but uh, yeah, this movie was really awesome. Uh, I'll definitely pick it up once it comes out. Um, I don't even remember the last. I think Goodfellas. Well, I bought Goodfellas. I don't know how many times. Every time they keep putting out 
VHS, DVD, Blu-rays, and 4Ks and everything. So, but anyway, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, I'm pretty sure it'll be up for Best Picture. So, I think oh, yeah. it's, I'm thinking, it I in. think it's still in the theaters. Um, I'll go see it if it's, I think it's still in a the theater. I mean, especially around Oscar season when they bring, uh, everything back out for, for your consideration. Um, they'll show it. Let me look. Uh, I'm just looking at a theater in Reno and it is not so, but I'm sure they'll bring it back, uh, for everyone to, to go see it. And I don't know what else is going to be nominated for best picture. I, I couldn't tell you right now, but, um, I'll, if it, if, it, if they bring it back to the theater, I'll go see it again. I saw it before my wife and uh, son saw it. I told him, I said, you guys got to go see this movie. So uh, they went and seen it and after and everything. So, but yeah, it, uh, th- this movie was good. And it, it, I left the theater mad and like, uh, like enraged on what was going on and how they were treated. Um, it was probably a billion times worse in real life, but of course they can only show you so much in a Hollywood film. But like I said, Martin Scorsese, the way he films his movies is how he filmed this. And I loved it. And the score was amazing. Cinematography of the open range and the res and everything. Awesome. I loved it. But again, shout out to Lily Gladstone. Uh, Amazing, amazing performance for her. Hopefully again, hope she gets nominated for Academy Award and killers of the flower moon is coming in at my number four spot. All right. All right. All right. Did you see it? Not yet. I will. Can I see it in the theater if it comes out again? Long though. <laughs> it was, man, but you gotta see it on the big screen, man. I mean it'll it I don't know how it'll look on your TV with the, with the, what you're saying, but <laughs> Yeah, my TV. I'm so torn on what to do and it's like, am I just getting used to it now? I know I wasn't happy at first with the colors and I tried the settings. And then that wasn't good, and I turned it back to default, and I'm like, now it's good, right? And I'm like, I guess I'm just getting used to it, but it hurt my eyes at first. Uh, it's a whole thing. I got uh, just over two months, though, to change my mind, take it back if I want, though. <laughs> give it another week, man. If you don't like it, take it back. Yeah, yeah. I'm at least going to give it that. At first, it was funny. I was like, oh, I got to take this right back. I got to take this right back. And then I was like, no, well, maybe I'll wait a little now I'm like, oh, it's going to be such a hassle to box it back up and take it across town again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, is it good? Is it just good enough? I don't know. <laughs> no, man. I mean, I, I, I felt you, man. I turned mine on and looked at it and I started messing around with it and I, it's to where I like it. So I'm fine with mine. Right. Yeah. Like I said, I'm just like, did I get used to it? Maybe. And maybe that's enough. Maybe that's good. I don't know, I don't man. Know. Everything you've been telling me about it, you've been complaining. So I'm my opinion, I haven't even seen it yet. <laughs> I say take it back. <laughs> right. Yeah, like I said, I give it a little more, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, all right, moving on, getting close. Uh, number three spot. Uh, obviously, if you follow this pod, you go know the name I go by. You knew this film was going to appear on the list. You were just waiting to find out where it is. So at number three, um, 
give me a little two for one. The main one will be Asteroid City, but also give me because it really can't be big enough to get its own spot. Give me Henry Sugar also. Uh, the two uh, Wes Anderson films that he did this year, obviously Asteroid City is the proper film. Uh, Henry Sugar and these other shorts went to Netflix. I'm not sure why they didn't like just package them all together and make it an actual film, but uh, like Henry Sugar's like 40 minutes long, and then uh, he released three other like 10 to 15 minute long uh, little minis. But uh, talk mainly about uh, Asteroid City here. Obviously, as a huge Wes Anderson fan, I go by. The Zisu here on the pod. Uh, you know I was excited for this one. Uh, Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Jeffrey Wright, Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, on and on and on, all the usual regulars, and so on and so forth. Um, I say it every time I talk about a Wes Anderson movie. My favorite thing is like his detail and how there's always something going on in frame and he makes it interesting and detailed and it comes to even like the silverware and the plates and the paintings in the background and things like that so uh i love everything about that and um yeah this one's described as following a writer on his world famous fictional play about a grieving father who travels with his tech obsessed family to a small rural asteroid city to complete in a junior stargazing event only to have his worldview disrupted forever um i also like the way this film like like pops and it has that kind of old uh kodak photo feel i'm sure that's what he was going for with that like kind of retro vintage look to it and it really does uh pop in that way and also in the same way that uh, french dispatch was like a love letter to like writing and writers it feels like this is kind of his love letter to like actors acting and like plays because it's kind of like a movie about a tv show about a play which even just giving it that description like tells you everything you need to know about a, a wes anderson movie he really likes to make things quirky and out there and uh, often the dialogue is uh, usually really dense and it feels like kind of literary like 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 out of a novel like out of a book so uh, that's what you can count on when uh, you go to see it and it's always funny i think i told the story when uh, I, we first talked about it on the show i feel like when i go to see his movies in theater i feel the vibe in the crowd that like people don't understand like what they're watching like they picked the movie because they saw the huge list of actors in it and people in it and went to see it and they're blown away they don't know what they're watching so uh i always find that funny um like i also said when this first came out um i would put this um uh, on the lower side of the Anderson ratings, but as far as obviously Wes Anderson fan that I, I am, obviously it, it, it gets the bump here on my uh, end year list. Uh, it's not going to make it all the way to number one. It's here at number three. I think it's a fair spot for it. And uh, yeah, there it is. Number three, Asteroid City. This one was tough to get through. Yeah, I get that. I, get I was that. like, oh my God, something happened. <laughs> 
I mean, I've seen the other films and I've liked them, but this one this is like bottom list uh, out of the <laughs> Wes Anderson films I see. I was like, but with that being said, story wise, I was just bored out of my mind. But the way it was shot, I loved. I loved how yeah. it looked. Uh, all the actors amazing. Every everybody he puts in his films is all his regulars are awesome. I loved how they filmed it, and I loved how he did it. Like like an actual play like the scenes the, the the way the scenery kept changing it seemed like if you've been to uh a play any kind of play it doesn't have to be on broadway on how the 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 background changes and everything <laughs> i loved right. all that i loved how oh, everything cool. was in it it was really cool but it was just the story that was killing me in yeah this i movie. get you i get you yeah that's what i'm saying like i could feel that vibe in the crowd that people weren't feeling it and that's too bad, but you know, obviously, it's not going to take away from my uh, enjoyment of it. And that's like the stuff you were just saying is like what really, you know, draws me to his style anyway. And um, yeah, in a way, like you want to talk about the kind of dialogue and whatnot. That's I don't know if you did you see the Henry Sugar thing on Netflix. I didn't know anything about that until you brought him up. Yeah, I've been um, watching. Yeah, it's like 40 minutes. The dialogue in that, it's breakneck. Like, it's like almost like speed talking through the thing. So it's almost like it's funny. Like, it's only like 40 minutes or whatever. And these are all short stories based off uh, Raul Dahl. They're all Raul Dahl short stories. And obviously, he's a fan of his. He did Fantastic Mr. Fox. And so, yeah, this was his shot to do all these little Raul Dahl short stories and, and, and give them live action that way. So they're they're interesting and odd and weird and different in that way. So I had to give them a little shout out here, but I didn't think... They'd really, for the length, they deserved a, like a, a true spot on the end of your films list. So I thought it would be best to give it a little shout out here alongside Asteroid City. All right. Coming in at my number three spot. Um, I saw the trailer. I knew I was going to go see it regardless. I did not see it the... I saw opening weekend, but I, I didn't see it like the Thursday night where a lot of people went and seen it. A shout out to Mike. He went and saw it Thursday night and just blew his mind. I knew I was going to like it uh, because it was a Japanese film. And as far as the American ones are just pure shit, my opinion. But this is Godzilla minus one. Post-war Japan is at the lowest point when the new crisis emerges from the form of a giant monster uh, baptized in the horrific power of the of the atomic bomb. This is written and directed by Takashi Yamazaki. I think that's his name. And I am not going to try with everybody's names in this. It's all Japanese name. Pretty much a whole uh, Japanese cast. Uh, the whole film is subtitled. Uh, and of course Godzilla in this. Man, this movie was fucking awesome. I loved it. I saw it three times in the theater. Uh, can't wait until it comes out in physical media because I am just going to rewatch it again. They are putting it, bringing it back to the theater. I think it's still showing in some places, but they're bringing it back. 
but it's going to be a black and white version and I'm going to be there to see it. And if you get it, if you, if it's still showing at IMAX, that's the way to see it. Cause man, this movie was glorious. The first time I saw it, uh, Eric and I, we just went and seen it and we just watched it on just a regular size screen. But when it was over, I was like, we went back to next weekend and we saw it in IMAX and oh my God, it was, it was glorious. This was Godzilla. This is what Godzilla needs to be. All the Japanese movies I love since I was a little kid and all the ones, all the many, many uh, reincarnations of the character and the stories and everything. Then America got a hold of it and just ruined it. Um, I saw the trailer for what Godzilla Kong or whatever, two that's coming. I'll see it, but oh my God, this just watching that trailer made me mad after seeing this one. I'm like, they Americans, they focus too much on everything but the monsters in their films. This one, there was a story. I loved where this, this took place. It was, it was right after world war two, after, um, uh, America bombed, uh, Japan and it was like just pretty much a wasteland on, on what was going on. This was dealing with uh, a kamikaze pilot that uh, just couldn't do it, didn't do his job. He was blaming it on his airplane, saying that there was something wrong with it. He landed on this little island. Uh, it was like a little island to where there was um, airplane mechanics there in case something happened. But they they kind of went over his plane and said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. man. There's nothing wrong with your plane. But then Godzilla shows up and all hell breaks loose. And then once uh, he kind of gets back to the world, uh, he's basically an outcast. Everybody's like mad because they all knew he was a kamikaze pilot and he came back. And they're like, what are you doing here? You, this, they, they were blaming what happened to, to Japan on him. Like, if you would have done your job, this, would, this wouldn't have happened to us. And, and I get it. I, mean, I get how he just, he just couldn't do it. And I get all the people were mad that, uh, on what happened to their country. And yes, America were the bad guys in this film. <laughs> but they didn't focus on that. They Once Godzilla came into play, they were focusing on that. And of course, uh, if you know the Godzilla lore, it's because he was created because of the atomic bomb and everything. Um, but the Godzilla action in this film was awesome. It was amazing. The CGI was just top-notch with Godzilla. How he looked, how he sounded, how he moved. Uh and everything and they this one this this they've done a lot of different things with godzilla with the to just the breathing the fire and, and all that and then the the stuff that comes out of his back this one it turned into like he had an atomic bomb uh blast once his uh back lit up and everything and then rah, spit out the fire basically spitting out atomic bombs because it blew up everything uh that he did a hit because <laughs> Man, this movie, I, I just, I could not get enough. It was two hours and four minutes. They could have gave me four hours and two minutes, and I would have been happy with it. And I would have sat there, I would have peed on myself because I didn't want to miss nothing. <laughs> oh my God. This movie was hella good. It was so good. Probably one of my favorite Godzilla films. Uh, King Kong versus Godzilla is always my number one, the original one, not that bullshit that we got a couple years ago. Um, I say that about those. It's just the the stories that they throw into the stupid, and they don't focus on the monsters. All the King Kong Godzilla fights. Out of all the Godzilla movies and King Kong movies we've got, 
um, out of the new stuff once CGI and everything hit. I like the monster aspects of those films. I love when the monsters fight, especially when Kong was fighting Godzilla in the last one. That was awesome. It was just everything around that was dumb to me. I just didn't like it. You stop telling me this story about these people I don't care about. Give me more Godzilla. Give me more King Kong. That's what I wanted. Have there you was seen a st- Monarch. Have you seen Monarch? I tried. It's just the same crap. They uh, made a Godzilla movie. show without Godzilla. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, but it's leading into this new movie, uh, from what I understand. I- I'll finish it, but it's 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 terrible. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the new of. the new one too, <laughs> man. The when the, I saw the trailer for it after I saw this. And that, however long the trailer is, two, three minutes, I said, this was this was crap. I love the fighting, the monster fighting and everything. I love that. It's just everything other than that. I mean, don't put Godzilla in the title and don't show Godzilla. I mean, I, I even like the one everybody hates. The um the guy that did Independence Day, the one the that dude that did that one, the one with Matthew Broderick and all that one. <laughs> I like that movie. I thought it was cool. And that yeah, they had their little side story on what was going on, but they did focus on Godzilla. That was once the threat came to New York and everything. But this one, I wasn't expecting to cry watching this movie. But man, I the tears pouring out of my eyes uh, in this one. But it was really good. I thought uh, all the acting was good. I didn't mind reading the whole movie. I've obviously, once it hits streaming or or physical media, there'll probably be a dubbed version, uh, which I will not watch. Um, but I just, I loved this film. It was so awesome. And to see it again on IMAX on that giant screen, I was, oh, it didn't fill the whole screen, but it was still, it was big, it was giant and it was hella loud too. Um, and I brought my sweatshirt this time cause I was sitting in those same seats when we saw Jurassic Park and I was freezing. <laughs> I told Eric too, I said, bring your sweatshirt, man. It's going to be cold in there, but it was, it was glorious. This movie was just top notch. Um, if my next two films didn't come out, this would definitely have been my number one film of the year. But as far as monster movies, this is the number one movie of the year because it was hella good, man. I cannot wait to see it again. I think it's still playing uh, in theaters, um, but uh, I'm not sure exactly when the black and white version is coming out. So I'm definitely going to go see it again on the big screen. And please be in IMAX because I will be there for it let me check it is still playing in reno at uh park lane so i mean if you guys have seen it already you've seen it and you know the awesomeness that is godzilla minus one but oh my god this movie is amazing and i can't wait to see it again and i was just it was just like a little kid sitting there watching it and I didn't know how Eric was. This is the first uh, Japanese movie, Godzilla movie, that Eric seen. He'd seen all the other ones, the American ones. And he did the same idea. He'd leave the theater. He goes, that was cool, but I didn't like this and that. He loved all the monster stuff, but he just didn't care for all the, the human aspect stories of what was going on. This one he said he liked. And I liked it, too, mainly because it was set uh, during the World War II and everything. Or after not well, after the Pearl Harbor and everything. <laughs> So, but yeah, if you guys haven't seen this, I don't know what you've been sitting on, but man, this movie was hella good. And that's coming in at my number three spot, Godzilla minus one. Take it you didn't see this. Sadly, no. I would see it, but 
but uh, yeah, obviously uh, no IMAX around here. And I don't even think it's actually playing at all here. I haven't seen it when uh, looking at movie times or anything. It's been a while though, since I even been to the theaters. Uh, kind of crazy when I think about it. I've, unless I'm forgetting something, uh, I think Marvel's back in November was the last time I was at the theater. That was the last movie you saw in the theater? I think so. <laughs> Crazy. All right. I used to be there like every week, if not every other week. So blows my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. Uh moving on to two. And I couldn't help myself, uh, just like putting John Wick at four. I couldn't help myself but to put uh my number two film is extraction to uh the original was on our top 10 list i think that was a little higher uh this one gets the boost all the way up to number two here for me just because in my opinion this had the best action scene of years probably the last 10 years i can't even remember uh what i would compare it to but uh for a person that likes action like i do uh personally this had the best action scene, like I said, I've seen in, in years. Uh, it had like the solid, uh, like the extraction itself. Uh, they made it feel like a no cut take and it moves from within a jail, out of a jail, uh, through cars, through motorcycles, onto trains with helicopters. And it all feels like a one shot take which um, makes it so incredible. So honestly, just that scene alone catapults this movie for me. And then you got the rest of it, uh, which I really did enjoy. I love the first. Um, it was interesting because obviously they made it seem like he was done uh, after one, obviously. Uh, but they find a way, oh, no, you know, he's fine. <laughs> We're just going to pull him out of the water and uh, bring him back. And that's fine. Um, Keep it rolling, because if you can do anything uh, like what they did with the scene in this, uh, yeah, just keep cranking them out. Keep giving more more of them to me. Uh, described as after barely surviving his grievous wounds from a mission in Dakar, Bangladesh, Tyler Rake is back and his team is ready to take on their next mission. He has to rescue a family of a crime syndicate leader from a prison complex with the help of two associates, Tyler launches the rescue operation, overcoming strong resistance from adversaries. Uh, obviously, Chris Hemsworth is the main person. Uh, Gold Shifta Farhani is Nick. Uh, Adam Bessa is Yaz. And it's got a bunch of other people. Directed by Sam Hargrave. And like I said, this one is kind of like a special exception. Uh, if I was judging it on the whole thing, maybe it would have uh, fallen further back, but uh, I just felt like this, it, it get got that special exception uh, from me being like so enjoyable. Like I can't get enough of that scene. I can't tell you how many times I've watched back just that scene. I love that scene. And I don't even know what to compare it to. Like I said, it, to me, it's like the best action scene in years. So for that reason alone, we got extraction two all the way at number two. Plus I wanted to do the, it's two wick was four. Yeah. So kind of silly, but made sense for me. <laughs> 
Didn't make my list. That was an honorable mention. It wasn't as good as the first one, but it was good. I liked it. I liked all the action. And yeah, that scene when um, I watched how they did it, it was a bunch of cuts. But I'm I, sure. But it was awesome so how they good. did it. Yeah, it, so I loved how good. they did it. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, that would be way too hard to do one scene with all that much action in it. Yeah. <laughs> so much in the prison, out of the prison, the prison yard. Into the cars, with the helicopters, onto the train. It's just, ah, beautiful. I loved it so much. <laughs> yep. Awesome film, everyone. Netflix, if you guys haven't seen it yet. Watch the first one. Because it it, it leads, it ends where the first one ended. So. Yep. And it looks like we're getting more. So. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right, cool. Um, That was on the list for a minute. And then it got booted out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I understand that. But for me, like I said, special exception. Like, love that scene. All right, coming in at my number two spot. This is a film that uh, I just kind of slowly found out like days before it dropped on Netflix. And this is Fry Bread Face and Me. A Navajo boy from San Diego experiences a cultural awakening when he spends summer vacation with his uh, pretentious cousin and their relatives on the reservation. This film came out in March. Uh, it was directed by Billy Luther, and this stars who the main kids. I didn't see, haven't seen them in anything. Uh, the, some of the other ones I've seen in, in other films. Um, Kira Tallman as Benny, Charlie Hogan as Fry, Sarah H. Nati is Grandma, Lorraine uh, Martin Sensmeyer, he plays Marvin. Morning Star and Angeline, I think that's her name. She played uh, Anne uh, Nassim Sloth, I think that's her name. She played Aunt Sharon. Uh, Jeremiah Bitsu, he played Uncle Roger, and then there was a bunch of other people in this film. All right. Uh, okay, that was Google's uh, design. Be two adolescent Navajo cousins from different worlds bond during the summer. Uh, herding sheep on their grandmother's ranch in Arizona while learning more about the family's past and themselves. This movie was amazing. Shout out the two little uh, actors that were in this. They did such an amazing job. And what what reached out to me, other than this, is their same tribe I am, is I felt like this little kid, the, the, the little boy in this film. Uh, growing up in the city my whole life and then going spending uh, my summers at my grandma and my grandpa's house in Arizona on the res. Of just knowing nothing but city life and then going out there. But this is so I was putting my myself in his shoes on going there and not knowing about any of it, not knowing the language, not knowing that much of my family, meeting cousins for the first time and everything. But this was such. Uh, a little heartwarming warming story on what he did, learning about the res, learning about his family, and learning about the Navajo people, that that's the blood that's flowing through his veins. So I really loved uh, this story. Uh, it, it was so good. I mean, I watched it a few times, and I watched it the night it dropped. And I, as soon as it was over, I kind of started reading other reviews of other people that seen this. And then I ended up watching it again the next night uh, before I went to bed. And I really love this film. It was it was so heartwarming and it was amazing. 
And like I said, I felt I felt for this little kid. I felt like him because my parents would just take us to Arizona and drop us off and just, all right, we're going back home. I get it. I, mean, I get it now that I'm older. At the time, I was like, oh, why are, why are they just bringing us here and leaving? My mom and dad had to work. I understand that now. As a little kid, I didn't. So, and I remember being mad at my parents for leaving me because they basically just threw this little guy on a bus with his, uh, I think with his other grandma, his dad's mom. I think she, he, he was half Mexican and his mom was Navajo. So she just sent him to Arizona and his, his Mexican grandma was like, she didn't, she didn't like going out there, but she had to ride the bus all the way. He was figuring out, trying to, how to get back to San Diego. Cause he was like, Hey, when does this bus go back to San Diego? And one of the guys was like, didn't you just come off this one? He was just trying to plot his escape on getting ready to leave again, wanting to go back home. And I felt like that. There was times where, um, I didn't think about trying to get back home from Arizona, but I remember thinking like, man, I just want to go home. I'm missing my friends. I'm missing just the city life. But as this kid's story went along of him growing up and doing the things that he did, learning how to herd sheep, learning how to do this and that on how they live on the res. Um, they, they were like my grandma. They didn't have electricity. They had a, a generator. My grandma didn't have a generator. We were growing up. It was like the, the sun was our light until it went dark, until it was dark. And then we just used lanterns. They didn't have TV. They didn't have running water. They didn't have any of that. They lived off the land. They lived off their animals. They lived off their crops. And as a little kid going, oh, why, why can't you? First of all, why don't you have a TV? Why don't you have electricity? Why, how can you live this way? That was me growing up. But I get it now. And I'm happy for all the experiences I had just about every summer going out there. And I learned a lot. I learned how to ride horses. I learned how to drive cars out there. And you learn how to do all that stuff when you're young, real little. I don't even think I was, I think I was like 10 when I learned how to drive. Because there's you're out in the middle of nowhere. There's no cops. There's no other cars to crash into. There's ditches and all that to drive into. But you, you learn how to drive. And learn how to ride a horse. And some people pay thousands of dollars to have horse riding lessons. My uncles or my aunts, hey, just get on this horse and hang on. And I learned how to ride it. <laughs> Herding sheep. Uh, dealing with the with the the cornfields and everything and everything living living off the land going to get water from the watering hole so and i just i i'm glad that my parents did that for us and this little guy by the end of the end of the movie he was like he appreciated of what he learned while he was there and i'm hoping that he went back next summer to spend it with his grandma and what i really loved his grandma spoke navajo the whole time there was subtitles for those of you that don't understand the language. Um, I understood most of it. I understand Navajo more than I can speak it. So, but I, I loved what was going on. The little girl that uh, played Frybed Face, she was awesome because she spoke the language as well, and she was amazing. But this movie was it was so good. I just I just couldn't believe how awesome it is. I did reach out to the director and told him I said, Hey man, this was an awesome film. Uh, keep it up. And he answered. He's like, right on, man. Like instantly, he answered. Like, right on, man. Thank you so much. And I told him where my, my, my where my parents were from. And he was like, right on, cool, man. So, hopefully, at some point, I can reach out to him again and uh, hopefully get him on and have a conversation with him. But this movie is awesome. It's streaming on Netflix, and this is coming in at my number two spot. I can go on more and more about this film, but uh, this isn't just about this thing. Um, but anyway, 
if you have any interest, uh, check out Frybed Face and Me streaming on Netflix. All right. That brings us all the way to our number one films. Uh, for me, uh, you stole my thunder a little with this one. It started your countdown. It ends mine. It was your number 10. It's my number one. And this is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, for me, I think I might have mentioned this when it came out. Uh, this was like, it It kind of hit as much as I love action, you can see how much it's centered around my uh, my countdown. Uh, you've got a movie like Wick, and that's going to give you the most amount of action, the highest quantity of action. And Extraction 2 had my favorite action scene. But to me, Mission Impossible, it's that nice, well-rounded, it's got the action, but also uh, the great story and to me uh, what made me love this story even more is i'm a huge fan of the metal gear solid series metal gear series and in that series both uh, the second game uh, sons of liberty and the fourth game guns of the patriots have a very similar storyline to what they're doing in dead reckoning so i actually like that a lot either even like uh kind of like a London fog scene in Dead Reckoning Part 1 that is very reminiscent of a scene from Guns of the Patriots in Metal Gear. So that um, there's a train uh, action scene that's actually also very reminiscent of Uncharted. And a lot of people were talking about that when the film first came out, like, well, hey, were you inspired by Uncharted? And uh, the director came out and was like, no, he had no awareness of it all. And it's like, I'm not surprised. I mean, you're going to do a train action scene. Like, it's no coincidence, like, something like that could happen. Like, something that happened in the video game happening in the movie. But, uh, like Nez said, at the top of the his, his countdown, uh, really loved this film. And uh, it's crazy. Back-to-back uh, -back years, like, I'm also not a fan of... Uh, cruises like crazy way but somehow some way for me personally somehow some way he uh he made his way to the number one spot uh back to back years for me last year with maverick and now this year with mission impossible uh, both of them were just like i said the most uh enjoyable uh stories uh enjoyable theater experiences uh, able to repeat watch and super solid from top to bottom, like I said, as uh, kind of the my main focus usually in general is like these action adventure movies, as you can see how many of them uh, took up my my countdown. So uh, for me, uh, it just made sense that uh, Mission Impossible put it all together. It was interesting when it first came out. You know, I put these on a list and they kind of move and the more and more I thought about it, the more it made sense. Like there was no more top to bottom enjoyable film for me this year. So like I said, you kind of <laughs> stole the thunder a little, putting it at the, the bottom, you know, the top of your countdown at number 10. But uh, here it is all the way at number one for me. And that's uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. That's the only action film I have on my list. Yeah, yeah. 
I went a lot with the <laughs> the drama and. Yeah, you're a lot. Club I got more one, two, one, two, three, <laughs> four, five. I think I got five dramas, one action, uh, one sci-fi, and one monster. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that. very. I I can appreciate the serious movies, but I don't. I don't revisit them much. It's harder for me to appreciate them. I can respect them, but like, you know, you're talking about, you know, these films, you know, making you cry and stuff. I'm like not looking for that. <laughs> I don't expect I didn't expect to be crying and watching Godzilla. <laughs> tears in my eyes. I wasn't expecting the I knew I was expecting to cry in Iron Claw because I knew how sad that was going to be. <laughs> but uh, there were some other films. Uh, oh, uh, Silent Night. That was a um, honorable mention. That movie was awesome. Uh, I was crying in that. And that was a shoot 'em up uh, revenge movie. <laughs> that was really good. John Woo. Man, he, he was bringing me back with his, uh, his um, slow motion action films. Did you see that one? I didn't. Uh... Oh, man. <laughs> You like action, I, and you didn't see that? I must have got confused. I thought I got a bad review on that from you. We didn't even talk about it. Huh. I, <laughs> I must have got it from somebody. We, did, we didn't talk about it. I, I did a review on it. It was the, the first episode in 12 Random Days of Christmas. Right. That was the only time. I, and that was just me by myself. That was the only time I talked about it. Right. I really didn't huh. go into spoilers on it. I just kind of gave my thoughts on what it what what it was, right? And I, I liked what was going. on. I'm buying that when it comes out. That movie was hella good, but that that's honorable mention. But well, yeah. Let me give you my honorable mentions real quick. Like I said, I got five. Um, one of them I took off the list, honestly. Um, yeah, and let me be honest with you. Uh, Dungeon and Dragons got its spot back on here because. Uh, you counted this as a comic book movie. I had the killer on my list at number eight, but when we covered in comic book movies, I was like, okay, it's got to lose its spot. So D and D took its spot and I'm happy with that. But uh, yeah, I had the killer in there. I also had leave the world behind on my list. So I'm glad to see it made your list. We had a chance to talk about it. Uh, the movie I've been telling you about that I thought would have a chance to make your list, uh, The Holdovers. Guessing you didn't get to check it out? No, I didn't watch it yet. Okay. I think it could have made your list. <laughs> I think uh, I think you might say that. We'll see. I'm, I'm curious to see what you, what you think when you see it. But, yeah, it's going to be on all those uh, award nominees list. It's already uh, won Golden Globe, uh, Giamatti won. For, for actor for it so uh missing that uh kind of how do you describe that movie like the computer screen and security footage type film that came out earlier this year um that was pretty cool thought that deserved an honorable mention and then uh, another one that just missed the cut and i almost threw this on here instead of uh, dnd was uh they cloned tyrone did you get a chance to see that i fell asleep i was bored yeah i get it um it's it can be a little boring but also like 
it's, there's parts of it that are actually really cool. So thought it deserved at least a little shout out. I liked it. Well, here's some of my honorable mentions before I get to my number one. Barbie. That was hella good. That was on my list, too, because that movie was good. I don't care what anybody says. That movie was awesome. I bought it, too. <laughs> I got uh, John Wick, Chapter 4, Extraction 2, uh, War Pony. Uh, that was another independent, uh, indigenous-directed uh, film. That was awesome film. I really loved it. Uh, Silent Night, awesome. Uh, the Covenant, that was hella good with Bubble Boy, Jake Gyllenhaal. That was awesome. Air, that was good. Uh, Sound of Freedom. It's streaming on Amazon now if you guys want to stomach uh, what was going on. it I'm sure that story, it, it's, it's happening. It, it's real. But um, that story, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, and like, one of the producers got accused of it now. Can you yeah. believe that? <laughs> I'm sure it was, the story is a billion times worse than what they could they showed in the film. But it was it was a good film. Uh, Transformers Rise of the Beast, that was awesome. Um, the, and uh, this one, I, I watched it. It's on Netflix, I think. The Creator. That movie was hella good. I was going back and forth. I had it. I had it at the number ten spot, and then I watched Mission Impossible. But the creator, oh man, I'm kicking myself. I didn't see this in the theater. It was hella good. Uh, did you watch that one? I did, and uh, I forgot to mention on honorable, but uh, that one to me, like I thought the effects were awesome. I loved the effects. Story, on the other hand, it let me down a little bit. Uh, I liked the story. I, I was hoping for a, for a little more. Uh, I thought it was good, not great. So definitely honorable mention, though, because the effects were, like, awesome. <laughs> I loved what was happening. It wasn't just a, a sci-fi mess. The story was good. I liked what was happening. And then on top of all the, the amazing effects and everything. And Denzel Washington's son, he was awesome. And that little uh, kid that the, the played the whatever they kept calling it, <laughs> that was that was awesome, too. I loved what was going on. I'm going to buy that one. I'm, I'm going to have to check. I One of my friends told me to watch it. He goes, you'll probably like it. Check it out. So I, I just sat down and watched it one night. And I was like, man, I should have saw this in the theater. But it was on my Pretty list. And yeah. yeah, I watched it. All, I was, I, it, was all, it was number 10. And then, and then I watched Mission Impossible. And then, boop, it got the boot off. <laughs> so fuck. <laughs> All right, everyone, on to my number one. This was a film. I didn't really hear much about it. Uh, one of my friends at work saw it and goes, dude, you need to go see this movie. I did not see it in the theater. I saw it by other means. And I bought it. I bought the steel book. And man, when I after I watched this, I was like, nothing is going to come out that's going to be better than this film. And this had everything that I wanted in it. It had the blood. It had the guts. It had the action. It had the violence. Brutal violence in it. And this is, I think I'm saying this right, Sisu. During the last days of World War II, a solitary prospector crosses paths with Nazis on a scorched earth retreat in northern Finland. When the soldiers decide to steal his gold, they quickly discover they just tangled with no ordinary miner. This was directed by Jalamari Hallander. I think that's how you say his name. 
And this star it was also written by him. And this stars Jorma Tomalina and Askel Henny and a bunch of other people. I will ruin their names so I wouldn't even try. But oh my god, this movie was awesome. It just it, it starts off with a I didn't I didn't I didn't look into it. My friend said, Go do I think you'll like this movie. Check it out. He saw it in the theater, but by the time I went, all right, I'll get around to it, it was gone. I don't know how long it was in the theater. So uh I found it and I watched it. So I was like, okay, what's happening here? It was just some guy out in the middle of nowhere in Finland. I get, like it says, he's mining for gold and he finds not the mother load, but he found a pretty good chunk of gold and just packed it all up and was taking it to wherever he was headed to, to cash it in. And along the way, he comes across some Nazis that are just doing Nazi shit, killing people and everything. And they basically were going to kill him, take his gold. And they did. They took his gold. They didn't kill him, but they took his gold. And the rest of the movie was him trying to get it back from them. And man, this was a roller coaster ride of awesomeness. Uh, everybody, all the guys that played Nazis, you hate them. You hate Nazis, period. But <laughs> once this guy got into action and started killing these Nazis, man, he was just doing everything he could, anything he could get a hold of to kill them. Uh, there's a scene where he got this big old buck knife he had and just stabbed it right through this guy's head, and they showed it. I was like, oh my god. Uh, I was so juiced. Once it came out on when it came out on Blu-ray and I bought the Steelbook at Best Buy, uh, I showed Eric. I said, "Dude, you got to watch this movie. It's hella good." So he goes, "What's it about?" I said, "I can't tell you. Just watch it." So we sat there when the movie was over. He was like, "Man, that was hella good." And I, after, like I said, after I watched this the first time, I said, "Nothing's gonna beat this." It was my number one spot. Uh, I don't even remember the first movie I stuck on my list, but after I saw this, I said, "Nothing is gonna beat." Uh, what I saw in this film And oh my god It was awesome I loved it I don't know who any of these actors were I don't even know who this main guy was But He sold his role in this film And he just Did what he had to do To get his gold And the thing that was awesome about it He did not say any words of dialogue Until the very very end So he co- he comes across some people Along the way uh, that help out, to help move the story along and everything. But you just wanted to, once he stepped into action, then there's a backstory on who this guy is and why he's such a good killer. So I won't, I won't tell you what that is, but <laughs> this movie was so fucking good. I, I, just, I just could not believe it. I've watched it. I don't know how many times uh, so far at once I bought it and oh man. I was hoping they would just bring this back and put it in the theater somewhere. Uh, I'm keeping my eyes out at this one theater in the Bay Area that shows old movies. And if this gets there at some point, I want to see this on the big screen. Because, man, yeah, my buddy, shout out to my buddy Phil. He's the one that told me. He knows the type of stuff that I like. And he said it was a little too gruesome for him. He goes, I think you'll like it. Because I asked him, what's it about? He goes, I won't tell you. Just watch it. So, yeah, and by the time I got around, it was gone from the theater. So, but, and then I found it and then I watched it. Uh, there was some subtitles or some stuff at the end 
uh, I didn't know what was being said until I picked up the Blu-ray. But um, a lot of CGI blood that I, I I don't care for, but I thought they did a good job with it. Um, but just him in action, killing Nazis uh, along his way, trying to get his gold back was glorious. And I, I just couldn't believe how awesome this movie was. It's not very long. It's only an hour and 31 minutes. And it flew by. I thought it was going to be like a slow drama. Because the way it starts, it's like just nothing. Just a bunch of scenery shots. And this guy mining for gold. And then it once the Nazis come into play is when it takes off. And But the way they filmed this movie, it was amazing. And this this character... Um, I think they just called him the miner. Um, he says his name later on, but um, I it was just it was glorious. I don't I don't know how else to say it, but man, it was. If you don't like blood and guts and all that, this probably ain't for you. But man, but if you want to see someone killing Nazis, this is the one to watch. Cause <laughs> it was awesome, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it again tonight. I'm I'm hyping myself up again to watch this movie, but it was so fucking good, everybody. I I just could not believe what I was watching, and I I really need to see this on the big screen to uh, hear how loud it is during uh, the fighting scenes and to hear everything that was going on in in this film. It's it's an amazing. Film will it be up for Best Picture? Hell no, it won't. I don't even know if they're gonna even look at this movie at all. Uh, it's they have it as action war. Mm. Yeah, it's set during war times. So I wouldn't go as far as calling it a war movie, but but what was going on? If you have stars, it's streaming on there. I, I see right now. So definitely check this movie out and just everything about this movie was amazing. That's why it's my number one. And I mean, I got a lot of good movies on my list uh, that I loved. Um, Godzilla minus one probably would have been uh, probably my number two spot, and Fry Bread Face would have been number one. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but man, this movie was awesome. Did you see it? I didn't, and uh, this is kind of funny. Um, I actually had seen the previews and stuff before it came out. And it was something I just kept forgetting to send you or tell you about or mention until you saw it. And I was like thinking ever since then, I was like, oh, I, I should have let you know. But uh, uh, I'm glad uh, to see you liked it as much as I thought you would. <laughs> yeah, everyone, man. I mean, this movie is amazing. I loved it. I mean, the, the, the grittiness and everything of what was going on in this and just oh man I, I, if you got stars check it out rent it if you have to uh, i see it's only 5.99 here on prime video but oh my god this movie was amazing i loved it every minute of it uh of course it's rated r i would like to see an unrated version if there is such a thing out there because i'm sure it might be brutal more brutal than it was uh, again, a lot of CGI blood, but there is practical blood in it, of course, when it's, it's all this. Because this guy, he went to hell and back to get his gold back from the Nazis. <laughs> it got a little crazy towards the end, uh, but <laughs> it was it was awesome. I, I just couldn't believe how amazing this film was. And 
if I'm saying this right, maybe I'm not. It's, but Sisu, it's S I S U. Sisu. It's it's awesome. It says uh, it says vengeance is golden, and yeah, <laughs> this movie was so good. But all right, everybody, let me give you my list from from the bottom. Number ten, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. Number nine, The Iron Claw. Number eight, A Thousand to One. Number seven, Leave the World Behind. Number six, No One Will Save You. Number five, Talk to Me. Number four, Killers of the Flower Moon. Number three, Godzilla minus one. Number two, Fry Bread Face and Me. And my number one film of 2023 is Sisu. Run yours now. Yeah, uh, before I do, I just want to say, hearing it back that way, I feel like your list is very well-rounded. Like, you have a really good representation from across the board. So that's kind of cool. I feel like mine... <laughs> Obviously slants one way for the most part. <laughs> but uh, number 10 was Chang Ken Dunk. Nine was Air. Eight was uh, D&D, Honor Among Thieves. Seven was Indiana Jones. Uh, six was A Haunting in Venice. Five was Equalizer 3. Four was Wick 4. Three was Asteroid City. Two was Extraction 2, and one for me was your 10, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, part one. All right. Uh, Let me run you down some of my, uh, uh, I have 13 on here. I know I've seen more, but uh, um, my uh, best horror movies of the year, I really didn't think of a list. I mean, I just kind of just started numbering these, but my number one. Uh, also made my, uh, I think it was my number five spot, but this is, uh, I'll start from the bottom. Uh, number 13, it lives inside. That was pretty good. I think it was streaming on Netflix. Is it Netflix? Not, no, not Netflix. I think it was, um, Hulu. I think it lives inside. It, it was, it, it wasn't, a, it was a story I've heard before, but it was, I think it was a uh, Indian, not I'm the fake Indian, the real Indian story. Uh, but it was, it took place in America, but it was, it is, it's definitely worth a watch. Check it out. It lives inside number 12, screaming six. That was awesome. 11 cocaine bear. Hella good. I picked up the pop. Uh, number 10, there's something wrong with the children. That one was pretty good. That one's on Amazon, I believe. Uh, number nine, I saw this in the theater. Thanksgiving. Uh, number eight, when evil lurks, that movie was awesome. I think it was on Shutter. Uh, definitely check that one out. That one out. Um, number that was I can't remember what country it was from. I think Argentina. I had to read the whole movie. Uh, number seven, VHS eighty five. That's also on Shutter. That was awesome. Uh, number six, this also made my list. No one will save you. Number five, Renfield. Hella good. We got Peacock streaming on there with uh, Academy Award um, Award winner Nicolas Cage. Uh, number four, Cobweb, hella good. I really loved what was going on in that film. I think that's, I think that's on Hulu too. Uh, number three, awesome film. Shout out to uh, Little Princess Leia, The Boogeyman. That was a good movie. I, I I picked up the the Blu-ray. And number two, Evil Dead Rise. I think that's on Max right now. Definitely definitely check that out if you haven't seen uh, if you haven't seen that one. It's a part of the Evil Dead series. And no, my number one, which was my number five, is Talk to Me. That was my number one horror movie of the year. Um, yeah, that I know that was my number one. That was that was my favorite horror movie of the year. All the other ones in, in no particular order. That was just some of the my top thirteen 
of movies that that I watched. Um, other than talk to me, I really uh, Boogeyman. I think that's Hulu. I think check that one out if you. If you it, the story is it is what it is, but I, I liked it. Cobweb was awesome. Renfield. If you want an action horror film, that's the one to watch because I, I didn't. I just thought it was gonna be a just campy vampire comedy. No, nah, it was a comedy action horror film because there's one scene when there these uh, SWAT team or whatever try to go in and get um not Renfield or uh, Renfield uh, yeah they they try to go and get in Vampire Dracula's assistant man it was hella good <laughs> if you haven't seen that everyone check that one out Evil Lurks that one was really really good uh, I, I think again Argentina check that film out as well as It Lives Inside. Um, that one was pretty good too. Um, but yeah, those are all, uh, some of my favorite horror films, uh, of 2023. So, but all right, everyone, that is it. We didn't give you three hours, but that's over two and a half. So, or almost yeah. two and a half solid, <clears throat> but, um, there was a bunch of other movies I'd seen that d- d- didn't make my list horror wise, sci-fi action animated and everything. But we gave you guys the best of, of what we thought our opinion was the best of 2023. Uh, yeah, I love really we... hard on sci-fi. Like, uh, did you see rebel moon? Not yet. I'll get uh, to it when I get thought to it. it was completely disappointing. Well, I like, I it. did not love it and I don't right. think you will either. Is it a movie or a series? It's a movie, and they've okay. already done two. The first is out now. The next comes out in April. All right. But everyone, oh, man, it was uh, it's fun to do this series uh, of pods yeah. at the end of the year. We're already in 2024. I got one movie down on my list already, and it's uh, a remake of a movie that I saw back in the 70s as a kid, and then they did one in the 90s, and um i kind of like this one uh better uh, out of everything um will stay on my list i don't know we're only in the first month of uh, the year so we'll see but definitely next uh next episode i'll talk about it because it was a really good film i love what they did there but everyone uh thank you so much for listening all year to us yap about this and that and all the little little other things we do over on spotify for podcasters thank you for listening to all that all our new listeners thank you uh so much shout out to brian for pushing us so hard all the time um brian's the best man i love you brother thank you so much uh everybody that we've had on the shows all the interviews i've done i got more already i got a new one coming um and just everybody we meet everywhere uh, that listens to the show uh, We will be at San Diego Comic Con this year so we can't I can't wait to do that um, Yeah And it'll be awesome Just I'm going to Albuquerque Comic Con next weekend Everyone so I'll see you guys down there Um, Just Everything uh, I just love doing the show For you guys and for us And just talking about this and that and everything all the podcasts that are part of our family i mean shout out to everybody that uh we've done shows with uh, shows that we listen to and 2024 man it's only the beginning of the year and we don't know what we're gonna do but we always do what we do for you guys and y'all hear hear it 
not every week whenever we get to it but we uh we're gonna we're gonna do try to do a little bit more for you guys this year so i'm really trying to get back on my feet literally because uh the bone is healed but it still feels a little sore so hopefully i can get back to uh not 100 percent, but at least somewhere in the 90s anything anyway but uh there's a lot of good movies coming out this year uh, a lot of tv coming we already had a kick-ass uh, start with Disney Plus with Echo. If you guys haven't watched that, check it out. Awesome, awesome series. Um, movies. I know there's some horror movies that are coming that I can't wait for. Uh, action as well. Uh, of course, the Marvel and DC stuff. I don't know about DC this year, but Marvel. I know we got uh, some stuff coming. Um, Star Wars. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> it'll, it'll mainly most likely be TV. I don't know about movies. Maybe the next year. But Skeleton uh, Crew and acolyte that those are tv right tv yeah yeah no movies uh sounds like we're getting mando and grogu on the big screen but uh not this year but uh that sounds like it's what's on deck (laughs) well it needs to be uh favreau and what's his nuts it is don't let anyone else touch that (laughs) that's their that's their baby it's got to be them to do it, it. anyone it's, anyone it's else that touches it it's gonna be terrible but yeah. anyway <laughs> um but yeah everyone just thank you so much for listening uh, to our show please uh tell a friend and have them tell a friend and them tell a friend and everything to listen uh to like i always say the voice of reason which is the zisu and the crabbiness that that is me <laughs> um and everybody, all our friends, all our family, thank you so much. Uh, shout thank out to you. my wife for all the shit she's got to put up with me when we're dealing with the shows. She's texting me <laughs> now. I gotta be, I gotta be somewhere, but I'm recording this for you guys, so I gotta take off in a minute. But uh, shout out to my son Eric Markey, uh, my my grandsons uh, Daniel and Buster. You hear them pop in here and there every now and then. Um, our yeah, new little yeah, yeah. dog, which you hear him barking. Uh, and everything and i always got to thank my brother here the zisu thank you for for doing this with me and uh go oh, back no, and listen you. to our one our one pod where we were talking about our, our favorites was that was that 300 we talked yes. about that, that was 300. Yeah. go back yeah. and listen to 300 episode 300 uh 300 or one will be later um but yeah everyone um thank you Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to want to get too emotional because I got to get out of here. But right, right. you guys rule. I love you all. Thank you so much for everything. And we'll be back for more. And hopefully later on down the year, the year. Uh, yep. uh, we'll, we'll give you, we'll do this all over again. It seems like we just did it not too oh, long ago. And, oh, and the, the year flew by. So now I gotta now I gotta start the list anew and start uh, as things come in, as pops come in, as movies happen, as TV shows happen, they'll uh, start to fill up the list for a new year. And yeah, I can't wait to get back to Comic Con. Super exciting! Um, they just announced D twenty three is happening right after in August. Uh, it's probably gonna be too much to go back to back, but. Uh, We'll see. Maybe I'll win the lotto between now and then. <laughs> yeah, if I win the Powerball, we're definitely going, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, right after Comic Con, <laughs> we broke. <laughs> so, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm we'll saying. See. Oh man. We'll see everyone. But we'll see, we will we'll we will be at East, East Society will be 
at San Diego Comic Con 2024. Yes, so. no hotels next. We got to figure out yeah. hotels. Yeah, when well, <laughs> I don't care where, I don't have somewhere to sleep. Right. But all right, everyone, that is it. Thank you so much for listening. Please go down to the links below. You know what to do. Follow us everywhere. Pick up a t-shirt. Uh, again, spread the word on our show. Shout out to Brian again, man, brother. Right on. Thank you so much. My brothers at the Horror Returns. Uh, you guys rule. I'm a part of that network as well. And all the other networks I'm a part of. Thank you guys all so much. Uh, shout out to Brother Steve. Number one listener in the world. He's the best. You rule. Thanks, brother. And uh, yeah, we are out of here. So with yeah. that, uh, please be safe out there. Happy New Year again Happy for New Year. Uh, 2024, 2023 is, is in the books uh, for us right now. And we just got to move forward. So again, you guys rule. Thank you so much. But always remember to be safe out there and party on. Yep. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Till next time. Have fun, be safe, and we'll see you next time. Be safe.